I'm just trying to come up with the reason Gino didn't throw it away. <laughs> yeah. I want so desperately for somebody to give me an answer, give me an explanation, because his day, I, I wouldn't call it perfect, but that was a balls-out performance by Geno yeah, Smith. No doubt. When you consider two backup tackles, a sketchy run game in a hostile environment like it was in Detroit, that game that Geno Smith played, that was beautiful. It was, yeah. Except for one play. One play that uh. almost lost them the football game, and I keep running it back in my mind over and over again. Why, at the end of that play, when he clearly had gotten away but knew he was going down, does he not throw the ball away and avoid the big loss? It's a good sign that you're sticking up for him in a way because I want to stick something up. Something has to be wrong in your mind with, because it was so he good. Was so good. Yeah. He was so good. You're basically saying that's ungino like. No, for, for, <laughs> for Sunday, yes. Yeah, for Sunday, you're I saying. I just want, I, has I to be want, an, explanation, their, I want yeah. an explanation. You can't sleep until you get one. Because they were literally going to lose the football game because of that play. It was unbelievable. I, what if he throws it out of bounds? Is there a, what happens? I don't What's think, the no, I don't, he's outside the pocket. What I don't, hell? he can just throw it. I don't think there's an illegal man downfield. I want to believe maybe there's an illegal offensive lineman downfield that he's worried about getting a penalty if he throws it. Okay. I just want an explanation. <laughs> maybe we'll Because he was so good. Yeah. I don't. It's not anyway. making sense in your mind. You you can't reckon no. with that cockamamie decision. What a football game. I often yeah. say it's so much easier to be a fan of the ballet. Well, there was your answer from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday. There was your answer that we choose football over the ballet. That's right. Because that was awesome. yeah. an unbelievable game. You must have been tied to your phone while you were at the softball game. Yeah, and I got scolded by one of the parents, too. Maybe you, you should watch the game your daughter's playing in. I'm like, okay, oh! I got you. Jesus, please, Kim. I'm all over it. Settle down. What does she care where nah, your eyes are? She was giving me shit, but I was just, I had my head, oh. literally had my headphones on at the base, at the softball field. That was Watching the game. Of, yeah. Scott, that was a hell of a football it's game. It's great. And then that, yeah, well, we'll get into it. Yeah. Bonehead plays that late hit on Goff. I can't remember yeah. who. Yeah. What the? I need an explanation for that one, along with your Gino one. Did he think he still had? That was so late. Yeah. I could have walked to Detroit and hit him. And are we talking about the Daryl Taylor? I think play? it was Daryl. Fifty-seven. Fifty-two. Yeah. yeah well, it was the only. Well, like, there's an easy explanation on the Daryl Taylor one, and that was the one that was insanely late. Well, he didn't even have the ball. He had handed the ball off. Yeah. Are we talking about the yeah, same yeah, play? Yeah, yeah, sure we are, yeah. If we're talking about the same play, the Daryl Taylor play, I don't know if we are. He clearly did not know. Okay. Jared Goff didn't have – he thought he had the ball. He played like he had the in ball. Fact, <laughs> in fact, he smacked him, and then if you watch how he started to get up, starting to celebrate a sack <laughs> until a flag came down and he looked down and the ball yeah. wasn't there. Sounds good. But uh, great football game. Yeah, fun. Just amazing football game. Yeah. And in terms of football this weekend, Washington, Washington State – and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the baseball team, where do you want to put them in the show? Oh, <laughs> oh they're still playing. Yes. Oh, they are. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah, not good, man. And probably the most important game of the whole bunch, or the, the most important team of the whole bunch because of where they are in the season yeah. and the standings is probably the baseball team. There's probably a lot of Seattle sports fans that say, maybe not Washington, they say, Probably would have traded a Seahawks victory for uh, a few wins against the Los Angeles Dodgers if you're a Seahawk. If you're both a Seahawks yeah, fan yeah. and a Mariners fan, I don't know. Can I get two or is it a... That's what I'm saying. Okay. Would you trade the Seahawks 
win yeah. in Detroit, drop them to zero and two. Right. Where I found out last night that like twelve percent of teams since nineteen seventy that start zero and two make the playoffs, even though that's the worst stat of all time because yeah. the playoffs have expanded like twelve times. It's since really then. stupid. I'm with you. But you are an equal fan of both teams. Yep. Would you trade a Seahawks <sighs> win for two out of three against the Dodgers, which would put you in the wild card situation? There's 13 games to go. Yeah. If you could. Three, I would trade. Not That's two. Sweet. Not, you just asked me for two. Well, Did you not just ask me I'm for two? I'm saying, I, I, is two on the table? What's on the table? Two, two and three. Just two? Two. Two out of three. Uh, we changed the result of two out of the three games against the Dodgers. But we dropped the Seahawks down to 0-2 to start the season. I think the Mariners can still somehow put themselves in it. So, no, I would not. Because they're playing Oakland this week. That so helps. you would think. Yes, you would think. But you don't like when I do that, so. I don't. Um, does this sort of feel like the Mariners are kind of proving they might not quite be no. elite? Or doesn't, no, you don't read anything into that? No, just a bad stretch. I don't okay. think so. Okay. I don't think Because the Dodgers are a good team. I mean, really good. Right. So, might win the whole thing good. Right. So, maybe this is letting us know that, hey, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. You still got to be able to come out at home, three game series, great weather, incredible crowds out there. Yeah. You got to be able to do your business. They just didn't do their business. And so now they find themselves on the outside looking. The good thing for the Mariners is the Rangers don't want to ever win a game the rest of the year. (laughs) Yeah. God, every time I look up, the Rangers are getting pounded. Anyway, we should start the show. Probably should at some point. Well, we haven't really started the show. Episode 255 of Mitch Unfiltered. Stump the band to start the show. Okay, I'm ready. I've got Stump the Band college football trivia. All right. Did you know, Hotshot? Yes. That Saturday. Okay was, let me put it into the right words. Let me find the right words. If you need help, let me know. Saturday was the greatest offensive day in the history of Pac-12 state of Washington football teams. Is in that terms right? of total yards, I believe. I may have it wrong, but I don't think I have. Let's I went back and it. I did some research. Okay. Your Washington Huskies, 713 yards of total offense at Michigan State. We'll come back to them. Okay. The Washington State Cougars, 715 yards of total offense against Northern Colorado on the same day. That is, do the math, 1,428 yards on a Saturday in September. I believe that's the greatest day when you combine the two efforts of offense in Washington slash Washington State Pac-12 history. Now, I haven't gotten to the trivia question. I was waiting for it, yes. The 713 that your boys hung up against Michigan State on the road yeah. was the second greatest offensive explosion in terms of yards in Washington football history. Is that So not just on the road, just any I, game. I think of all time, wow. 713 okay. only fall, and I'll just tell you, I'm not going to tell you the answer, but 734 was the greatest day they fell 31 yards short. Okay. Some might argue, this is a, as an aside, that this was the best day because they did it on the road at Michigan State. When I tell you the greatest day, well, I don't want to give you too many hints. It's probably against a turd. <laughs> what was the greatest <laughs> performance in Washington since you are such a Washington right, Husky honk? A no That'd be a good name for a radio show. Sure. Um, is it the Corey can I, Dillon? Can I be on the stage? No. Corey Dillon, San Jose State. November the 16th, 1996. There you go. I might have been there. I might have been in the stands that day. Thank you, sir. Told you I should be running that show.
That Husky Honk Show. Uh, got the wrong guy hired. Washington 53, San Jose State 10. 559 yards rushing for the team. <laughs> 734 overall. What did Corey do? 16 carries in the first quarter for 222 <laughs> yards, which is, I believe, still an NCAA record. For yards in a quarter. In that quarter. Yeah. 78-yard touchdown run. Jeez. 48-yard touchdown run. Four-yard touchdown run. Oh, and an 83-yard screen pass for a touchdown. <laughs> oh, that doesn't even count towards his rushing no. yards. <laughs> he had over 300 God. yards in the quarter. Unreal. Unbelievable. At the I, I, time, I that was the second longest play in Washington history, the 83-yard touchdown screen pass from lefty Brock Heward. Was it really? I believe so. Okay. Uh, another note, linebacker Jason Chorak. The Pac-10's sack leader at the time had one and a half to give him a school record 13 and a half sacks on that day. That would be November 16th, 1996. It looked like they dropped the starting high school running back down to the freshman team that day and just <laughs> let him go crazy. I remember actually feeling bad for the other team. They just could not tackle him. Uh -huh. It's like, okay, well, he ain't going to be here next year. It's pretty clear he's out. He's moving on. Where is he today? Where's a great Corey question. Dillon? What the hell is he doing? How come we've never heard from Corey? We don't hear from Corey Dillon. Maybe he's back in Seattle. Who knows? Maybe he should be doing a, an interview with Mitch Unfiltered to reminisce about, although he wasn't a big interview fan, was he? Well, but you would say that about Marshawn Lynch until now. You can't get, uh, get away from the guy. He's everywhere <laughs> now, right? <laughs> right? Oh, my God. No one's loving it more than him. He's getting paid now. Well, that too. He Didn't wasn't get, getting paid before. He wasn't getting paid to do interviews. <laughs> no, he was not. Now he's getting paid to do media. That's yep, right. Yep. That's right. Where is Corey Dillon today? Anyway... That was the second greatest offensive explosion in Washington football history. Amazing. On Saturday against Michigan State in East Lansing, Michigan. This is Mitch Unfiltered. The best time of the year to become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. By the way, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts if you don't mind. I have an apology. Okay. You remember that last week I made an offer to anybody who was listening that I would give them the first three months of a subscription free? Tell what, me. Why are you shaking your head? Always, something always goes wrong. Nothing or, went wrong. Okay. Only went wrong with me. Well, two <laughs> so, things went it's wrong. It's always something with these there, things. There, two things oh, went wrong. No good deed. Two things. Let me, do, let me start with what I did All wrong. Right. There are a lot of people taking us up on our offer. So I have not gotten back to everybody yet. Okay. I'm going to do it all at one time. So I plan to get back to everybody early in the week that that wrote me and wants to take advantage of the first three months of a Mitch unfiltered subscription free. OK, okay. that's the first thing that I want to say. OK, the second thing I want to say is because I haven't gotten back, I'm going to go ahead and extend it for another week. So at this time oh, next okay. week, when episode 256 comes on, the promotion is over. So I will extend it if you would like the first three months of a Mitch Unfiltered subscription free. Just write me an email, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com and say, give me the promotion or just tell me that you want it and I'll give it to you. Okay. The one thing I do want to point out. Oh, man. Yeah. Is I don't ever recall saying the words three month trial. Do you remember me ever saying on episode 254? It'd be interesting if we could go back and listen. Suppose we can. It'd be nice. Do you yes. ever hear, remember hearing me say during the promotion that I'm offering a three-month trial? Did I use those words? Because I'm getting a lot of emails saying, I want to take you up on the three-month trial. So that would suggest just three free months and yeah. they're out. Yeah. 
I think what I said, I hope what I said, somebody can prove me wrong if you can go back to 254. But I think what I said was three months off of a Mitch Unfiltered subscription. Did I not say that? That's what I. That's how I took it. I don't remember using the words three months. Hey, yeah, I'll take the free trial. Here, tell me, uh, I'll take the free trial. It's not a free trial. Yeah, there's not really much in it for us at that point. No, it's not a free trial. Yeah, it's not a free trial. Yeah, no. The first three months off of a Mitch Unfiltered patient subscription. Basically, twenty five percent off of a year long subscription. You got it. Three twelfths. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good job. Thank you, sir. So, I'd like to point that out. So, so for those of you that. wrote me saying yeah i'll take the three month free trial it's not exactly that it's the it's three months off of a subscription an annual subscription gotcha okay okay that's when you lease a car the and they payment. say you don't have to pay for the first two months you don't just give the car back after two months you got a <laughs> fucking car payment coming in i gotta- hope it doesn't make me a bad guy <laughs> and i hope i truly didn't say three month three month trial i don't think i use those words i don't by the way if i did i'll honor it right i don't remember the word trial being used i'll, but... I'll honor it i'll honor whatever right. i said if You're... i truly said three month trial i'll honor that too but okay. i don't think i did i don't think you did either i don't think anybody's been able to provide that evidence <laughs> i beat the boys presented by fireside home solutions week three coming up yep patriots jets chargers vikings saints and packers the password is unfiltered hmm Patriots, Jets, Chargers, Vikings, Saints, Packers. The password is unfiltered. Guests on this episode 255 after we're finished talking about incredible football game, both on Saturday for Washington, Saturday, Washington State, Sunday, Seahawks football was great for the Pacific Northwest over the weekend. Baseball, not so much. Guests include Brady Henderson and Brian Nemhauser. They make up the Seahawks note table. Brady from Detroit, where he covered it for ESPN. Rick Neuheisel, the CBS college football analyst, will be back with us. How good are Washington and Washington State? I mean, Washington State has Oregon State. We're going to talk about that yeah. this week. But it seems like Washington and Washington State are on cruise control. I, and then, yes. I think the Cougars are out of teams from Colorado to play at this point. Now they got to start playing teams in their own league. Or, yes. Okay, good. But notice that the team that Washington State blew out the Colorado State Rams that they blew out. Yeah, I know where you're going. Went to Boulder and yep. gave your boy Coach Prime, Coach Prime, everything they wanted and then some. Talk about fun football games. That was a fun one to watch. I was staying up. I was watching. As that did one. I. That yeah. was awesome. But they should not have struggled with Colorado State. They were bad. Colorado State was bad. They're the 0 one. Yeah. To the, the well, they two, were bad right? the yeah. first game. Yeah. I don't know how they stayed in it with Colorado. But anyway, uh, guest number three. The return of Scott Schaefer. Now, maybe you listened, maybe you didn't. A couple of weeks ago, we had Scott Schaefer, the owner of Jack's American Pub in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on the show. That thing's catching fire, that story. Well, it caught fire. I think the fire is probably out by now. The whole... Aaron Rodgers restaurant promotion. Everybody drinks free if the Jets lose. Yep. But Aaron Rodgers has to start. And then Monday night comes. And after Monday night came and went and he got hurt, I had a lot of listeners both on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, and on email saying, you got to get Scott Schaefer back to tell us the story of Monday night. What was it like in his restaurant on Monday night? And what now, now that he's out for the season? So Scott Schaefer is back on episode 255 to tell the story of how silent his restaurant went when everybody was drinking after the Aaron Rodgers injury, thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. I, mean, I, I would have been there an hour early. <laughs> I would have been drinking my... Uh, the Bills are a freaking great team. Right. Oh, Then their starting quarterback goes out. Aaron yes. Rod- <laughs> it's on. Shots, shots, let's go. That's Top shelf, I give said, it to me. I said, what happened Jeez. when he got hurt? And he said, 
We had a an enormous <laughs> order of shots happen is what of happened. Of course. Shots all over the all place. Over. And then the return and the Jets win. He said you could hear a pin drop. I mean, everybody betting, just everybody when they realize they have to pay their whole bill. Unreal. Like, oh my God, what just happened? Betting on sports is just torture sometimes, isn't it? I mean, imagine the Aaron Rodgers goes out after three plays. Yes. All they have to do is lose All the they have to do. Weren't the Bills in like the AFC Championship last year? <laughs> yes. That's a freaking good team. <laughs> Couldn't beat the Bills. I mean, what a crazy-ass story. But the promotion continues even though Aaron Rodgers is out. And I didn't know oh, that I when I interviewed oh, okay. him. He informed me. He said, Mitch, now we've changed it, but we're going to do the promotion a different spin on the promotion. I don't want to give it away, yeah. but the promotion continues at Jack's American Pub. So if you're in Milwaukee on a Sunday. <laughs> live show, live show. Let's go. You and I, let's do it. All righty. Episode 255 presented by Evergreen Golf Call. Tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com. More than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, all the great things going on over there at Zeke's, all the expansion, the revamped mobile app, home delivery, never as simple. Download and try the new mobile app, homegrown in the Northwest. John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor, Beat the Boys, password this week, unfiltered. Everybody who beats us gets a prize. Check out a new fireplace or garage doors, firesidehomesolutions.com. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage, challenging times in the home financing world, but the better and more creative professionals stand out at this moment, like Jordan Flowers and his Woodenville Cross Country team. A phone call away, 425-890-2957. Daniels Broiler, Lindsay Schwartz and I are talking appetizers on this episode of Mitch Unfiltered, the bacon wrap scallops, the dungeon is crab yeah the steaks are great but don't sleep on those apps you gotta love daniel's broiler world-class steakhouses episode 255 begins right now unfiltered if you can't get off the field if you can't stop this team if you can only force one punt in nine possessions on a bad football team that's at your place on opening day i don't want to hear about stopping the run that's right please unfiltered so you're going to be either wild card two at tampa for a best of three or wild card three at minnesota for a best of three think you're better off going to Minnesota for a best. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 255, Hot Shots got Mitch unfiltered. How'd you enjoy the MTV Video Music Awards? I'm sure you sat and watched every minute of that. And Oh, that NSYNC reunion. I mean, I've heard could, about you, it. could you actually, die? I actually know a little bit about that. Do you really? I was completely well, wasn't, kidding. Did, <laughs> all you? the things you're going to sit well, and watch. Well, I, I saw <laughs> that America's favorite sweetheart, Taylor Swift, who I'm oh. if she's really dating the tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs. Who, Kelsey? Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. I'm mad about that. I well, don't didn't like he that. throw in a reference to her? Yeah, or I don't, yeah. There's some rumors going on that they're actually dating, which annoys the hell out of me. But I did see that maybe she was awarded one of her like six on the night yeah. by the NSYNC guys, and she was touched and... I don't, know if they awarded her I don't know if they awarded her I don't know. But I, when, I, when, they, when they came out... Yes. Because Justin Timberlake, he's 
too cool for that, right? So the fact that he's in it now is pretty pretty big news. Well, I asked Slickhawk because he brought it up the other day on our show, and I said, I asked him whether this is an indication that Justin Timberlake's solo career is maybe a little flat. Yeah, but he's probably a little old to be a pop star. I mean, you know, yeah. So has yeah, he, has he cooled down and now sure. he wants the old boys back? Going back to the old girlfriend? Oh, I, I don't think he needs them. No, I think Justin Timberlake could go so on why tour. Is he do- so really? Yes. He transcends. I, I, it's, it's bizarre. He, I was he, talking to my neighbor the other day, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a hell of a sample size. But no, she, she looked like a, a fangirl. I don't even know my neighbor. Yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> I, I actually met one of your neighbors one time. Yes. Because I think he'd had a few too many at the Seahawks game. <laughs> And I, I had Tom Sawyer by Rush cranking out of my car. And he yeah. wanted to come over and talk to me. And really, I don't think he knew that you lived right next door to him. He didn't know you. You didn't ever introduce yourself. We so. do have neighbors. You do, yes. Okay. Anyway, she yes. looked like a fangirl. She looked like, I mean, she was probably 12, 13 when NC, wow. you know, cracked off. And yeah, she wow. looked very excited for that. So good yes. for her. The good MTV for... Music Awards, something yeah. I will never, NSYNC... ever watch as long as I live. NSYNC's reunion, right? That's right. No, Big I time. didn't see it. I didn't even... It's MTV or VH1? It's. I thought it was the MTV Video Music oh, Awards. It's called okay. the VMAs. I don't know. I used to love that crap. It's crazy how age, what age does to you. I probably wouldn't know how. It did some artists. other things to you, too. <laughs> You're not talking about hair color, are we? <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure. Well... <laughs> Honey, get the dye out, That's please. Right. Oh, and yeah. get my therapist on the line. Okay, episode 255 is now underway. I don't even know where to begin. The Mariners have 13 games to go. Now that the Dodgers series is out of the way, Oakland's next. 13 games. They're a half game, I believe, or a full game now. Outside of the wild card position, I still think, don't forget, They've got three with the A's and then the last 10 games of the season. Mm -hmm. Seven of them against Texas, three of them against Houston. So they even still have the the division still a shot, an outside shot at the division. They just have to now get things together with Oakland the next three days, get things together and take care of their own shit. Just take care of it. It'd be nice, yes. If they can take care of the next, what, 13 games – Maybe, you know, eight and five, that should do it. You yeah. would think seven and, I, and seven and six might even do it. I think eight and five is doable. I think after this series, I think they're going to get hot and they're just going to, we're going to be right back in it, living and dying, looking at scoreboards. I think they're going to be well, just Well, if fine they get still. hot against Oakland yeah. and they go into the series is, 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 is with Texas, there's two of them, one in Texas and one here. You've got a Texas Rangers team that's trying to get off the mat, just like you're trying to get off the mat. So it's kind of like, I don't want to say the tallest of midgets, but I'll say the tallest of midgets. Yeah, it's probably not a term we use anymore, but yes, I know what you're saying. Yes, (laughs) tallest of little people. Yes, tallest of little people. Yes. So the Mariners are, it's butt-clinching time for the Seattle Mariners fans, for all of it, very much. Very much with Oakland now over the next few days. Don't wake up the Washington Huskies. Just don't wake them up. Amazing. How does Penix look? I mean, it's like... 375 yards and four touchdowns in the first half. Now, I don't know what they were facing, and I I know I do this every week. It seems like every week I question the opponent, but I'm going to go ahead and do it again. The Mel Tucker thing lingering. He's suspended. Michigan State, I don't know if they're any good. Certainly, they must have been distracted by everything that was going on around the football program and whether their coach is going to get fired or not. But my God, if Michigan State is even decent. Yeah. If they're, I mean, what does it take to go to a bowl game? Six wins? Sure, yeah. If Michigan State is even a six or seven win team and like a marginal bowl team, then what Washington did on Saturday was mighty impressive. Even if they're a six win team. 
going there and just pounding the hometowners yeah. was crazy. Do you remember in 22 when they went to Arizona State right after they, they got rid of their coach? Was it Herm Edwards? Maybe was he? Yeah. Well, yeah. He yeah he was the coach. Yes. But I don't remember. I don't remember exactly the game after it was. They got rid of him. It was the last game year. after. You're talking about last year. Correct. Yeah. And ASU was not a good team with him. Obviously, no. they got rid and of. What him. happened? They beat the Huskies' ass. And so part of me had that in my head that... Yeah, like what Neuheisel said, a galvanizing that's right. situation. That's right. So yeah. so my point being that I'm going to give them a little more credit maybe okay. than some would because I've seen that happen before where it can bring a team together and they didn't give a shit. They're just, they're just a buzzsaw and whatever's in their way, they just continue to mow them down. It was pretty impressive. And it's funny, I always say on this podcast that it's incredible how open the wide receivers for Washington, the scheme, whatever scheme yeah. DeBoer it's and unreal. that offensive coordinator is putting together, they're always open. But now it's gotten to the point where in the first half of the Michigan State game, Penix is like, ah, oh, they're not open. I'm going to throw it anyway. They're going to make the catch. <laughs> how many like 50-50 balls in the first two quarters of that game where the ball's in the air and you're watching it on TV and you're like, oh, that guy's well covered. And he comes down with the ball anyway. Like got good athletes and guys that go fight for Don't it. Give and... a, Penix just doesn't give a shit. I'm no. throwing the ball. I'm just throwing the ball. He threw it to nine different receivers, by the way, or nine, nine different players that caught it, just spreading it around. And yeah, Penix looks like the real deal. And if he's not in New York City at the end of the year, you know, oh, it'd be shocking. It'd be at a this surprising, point. yeah. 713 point. total yards for Washington. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. Second most in program history. 261 for Michigan State. So even the defense that we've wondered, does Washington have enough defense to go along with Penix and that high-flying offense? Yeah. Do they have enough of a run game? Well, they got they got some good running out of this freshman who got his, his debut, yeah. Tybo Rogers, I think is his name. He was good in the second half of the game. Their defense was good. Most of Michigan State's yards is in mop-up time, and the Huskies are rolling yeah. as they get ready now for a California team that, is it my imagination, or is Cal one of those teams – that normally gives them a problem that maybe they beat, but they always seem to struggle with. Hmm. Yeah. Will, Will Cox is the coach, the yeah. former defensive coordinator here. I know the game is here, and I know they're high flying, and they're probably huge three touchdown favorites, but I have recollections of California being annoying. For a couple of quarters, three quarters, yeah. California I, being a problem. Was was the Marshawn Lynch game in the golf cart? Was that? Well, I'm not even talking about that. that. Goes way back. But I mean, just like my whole life, it feels like Cal's just been this weird thorn. Not okay, a great so there program, you go. but so yeah. there you go. Yeah. I'm more talking about in the last two, three, four years. It feels like there have been games where Washington was supposed to blow them out, and there's always. And if the game is at night this Saturday night, it's one of those late night games. The Thai folks don't like that. <laughs> yeah, they're not as maybe it's not as crazy an environment. On late, late, late it Saturday be, night, though, with yeah. the students lathered up, there seems to be empty seats of those late night games. Mm. I don't yeah. know if there will be with this team. But. Not with this team, I don't think. And don't sleep on the Cougs. Woo. Nobody, no Husky fan wants to hear this, but I'm, I'm flat out pulling for the Cougs for a lot of reasons. A, I pull for the Cougs anyway. Yeah. And B, after the way they've been shit on the last several months in college football. Yeah. They hang 43 on Northern Colorado in the first half. Trivia question, who's the starting quarterback in Northern Colorado? <laughs> and why am I asking? Is it a Millen? It's not a Millen. He's, uh -huh. a, he's a Colorado State. It's oh, not really? A Millen. Yeah. So it's still a Colorado State. Colorado State is a uh. Millen, but he got, he got benched for another guy. Saw that. I don't yeah. know who the quarterback is. Jacob Sermon. Ever heard the name? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Former Bothell High School star. Uh, okay. Former University of Washington Husky quarterback. Okay. And transfer, 
Northern Colorado's Jacob Sermon. You talk about Penix going for 375 and four touchdowns. Yeah. Cam Ward, the Washington State Cougar quarterback who only plays the first half against North Northern Colorado, goes for 327 and four touchdowns in the first half. So here's one for you. You take the two Pac-12 quarterbacks in the state of Washington. Let's just take half of each of their games, which would be one full game for a quarterback. Right. We take half of Michael Penix, and we take half of Cam Ward. Michael Penix had 375 and four touchdowns in one half. Yeah. Cam Ward had 327 and four touchdowns in one half. So the full game combined aggregate, 702 yards and eight touchdowns. <laughs> if they just kept their foot on the gas the whole time, 700 you yards. You put the two guys together. That's amazing. Yeah, impressive. But I'm excited for Saturday, though. I want now. Okay, now you're going against Pac-12. Let's go. Let's, well, let's see how good we really are, both well, teams. We talked about how Cal could be a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Don't know if they will or not. Let's get off of that for a second. Washington State is facing Oregon State this weekend at four o'clock in Pullman. The only true Pac-12 matchup, Pac-2 matchup. Well, Pac-2 <laughs> matchup, but. I mean, think about how the college football world has been kind of focusing on USC, Washington, Oregon, Utah, Colorado, right? There's five teams out of the Pac-12. I haven't mentioned Washington State and Oregon State. When they tee it up on Saturday, both will be in the top 20 in college football. Wow. Both undefeated, facing off against one another at 4 p.m. on Saturday. So, yeah, Washington faces California, but this one, this this could be the game of the day if you don't already like the the Oregon Ducks hosting Colorado and prime time Ooh, is going to Autzen Stadium at 12:30 on ABC and ESPN. That's a that's a fun game. That's going to be fun. Now, Prime's able to do it against these schools. Let's see what he does against somebody like Oregon who's like a legit Pac-12 contender, right? right. I mean, that's a good right. program. Right. Can't wait. Should be fun. Oregon, Colorado, Wazoo, Oregon State, and then later on, I guess UCLA might be facing Utah. I think I have that right. Okay. And I think, uh, and of course, Washington later on against California. So it will be a big day. It will be a fun day in the uh, in the world of the Pac-12 conference on Saturday. And then there are, I've buried the lead, your Seattle Seahawks. Yes. No one, I say no one, I'm sure there was someone that thought that they were going to go beat Detroit, but not a lot of people. Did you pick there, them? There could have possibly been one or two out there who picked them in the Beat the Boys contest. Possibly. Because I know sports, Levy. I know what I'm looking at. Did you at. pick them because... I used my toes. And you just, truly yes. thought they were going to win the game? No. I thought they would play way better than that first Me too. Week. Me too. I picked 27-24 yeah. on the Seahawks no table, them losing to the Lions. But go ahead. If I think it's going to be a close game and they're going to play way better, why not just pick them to win it? This is how I separate myself from the boys. This is where the men separate the boys with picks like Are this. Are you the guy that finishes last every single year? It's a new year. If you want to live in the past, <laughs> feel free to live in the past. I like to live in the now. This is how you separate yourself from the boys. You've always been very good at separating yourself from the boys. You over there and us all the way out That's here. That's right. So you're separating yourself in a different way. It's a way new tactic you. this year. I see. Separating myself in a new Did way. Did you yes. really think if you had to bet the eyeballs of your first and only born? Jeez. One way or the other on somebody to win or lose, you're telling me you would have bet the Seahawks. I don't believe you would have. I'm taking the Lions. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I didn't feel that strongly. I knew they would play better. Of course they're going to play better. And I knew better. the Lions are you know, Red probably hot. not as, as good as they look like they Red are. Red hot after yeah. the end of last year, then the winning Kansas City to start the season. Right. Jared Goff hadn't thrown an interception forever. So I picked the Seahawks because <laughs> I know what I'm doing. That's what we're talking. Oh, By the way, can you rem- can you remember off the top of your head? I can't. The last pick six for the Seahawks. No, I can't. I, I think Tariq Woolen might have had one oh, against the Lions last year. I don't know. I don't know. I just it's not something I'm used to seeing as a Seahawk fan. It was pretty. I'll awesome. go one step further. Okay. The guy who had the, the pick six is a guy by the name of Trey Brown, who I'm still not sure I like at corner, and I hope Tariq Woolen or Reek Woolen, whatever they call him, will be back shortly. I really hope to hold my breath on the Reek Woolen chest injury. Yeah. He left the game early. But you're asking when the last time there was a pick six. I'm going to double down. Okay. The play before the pick six. Was that the sack? He got the sack yeah, on sure a blitz, yep. which I believe was the first sack of the game for the Seahawks. Is it possible (laughs) that in Seahawks history, no one player has had a sack and a Mm. pick six on back-to-back plays? Impressive. On defense. Is it possible? Now, I have no no way of checking that out. Right, who does? I don't even know if you could call the Elias Sports Bureau. I I don't know who to call. You have to start with looking at every pick six in the history of the Seahawks, but a sack and a pick six on back to back plays. I I would think that it's entirely conceivable that in the long and storied rich history of Seattle Seahawks football, that no player has ever done that. Now, somebody said on on X or Twitter, you can just if anybody did it, then it would be Kenny Easley. Kenny Easley would be the natural choice. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Earl Thomas blitzed once in a while, and I'm sure yeah. he had a pick six. I'd start with him. We're talking back-to-back I, I know, plays. but I'm saying if you're going to start looking at a player. Earl Thomas? Earl Thomas, he wasn't afraid to fly in Dave there. Dave Brown? But was he a blitzer as a corner? No, I don't not really. see him coming off the edge, Dave Brown. Adams? Jamal Adams? Get sacked for ten for ten seconds that he's played so a far. Pick six been... by Jamal Adams. When did that happen? Christ, <laughs> I, I would know. love to know when that happened. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe a lineman who got a sack and then on the next play a ball got deflected. Yeah, a defensive lineman he caught the deflection and ran it. I... That would be fun to find I'm out. I'm guessing. I'm just gonna say it. It's never happened in Seahawks history. Probably not. Back to back plays. Yeah, it's not easy. A pretty fun little moment oh, there. God. The sack and then the pick six. I couldn't believe what I was seeing when I saw a Seahawk defender running for a touchdown. Like, we can do that? To go up 10, 31-21, only to watch the Lions come back and tie the score, to send it into overtime. Of course. Would the, and I know everybody loves him, so I'm going to be very delicate here because people are going to get pissed. Uh Uh-oh. For some reason, people get pissed at me when I do this. Did the Jason Myers (laughs) miss field goals hurt at all, would you say? Are you talking about... Special teams captain of the Seahawks who was voted captain, Jason Myers, that one. I'm talking about the field goal at the end of the half. I know what you're talking about. That was so far left, it looked like one of my drives at Aldera. (laughs) Hooked way left and out of bounds, that one. You think Uh, think either one of the – now, the other one was a long one. I get it, and he missed it. But you think either of those field goals uh might have – uh, you're Might trying to sully okay. the good name of the team captain, and I hear mm. won't stand for it. Didn't they just give him a new contract, too? Like, a couple years ago, I think You can't even so. get rid of him, really. I mean, I guess you could, but they, like, invested in, you know, yeah. invested in him. Yeah. That's our kicker. Yeah. Got to be behind your kicker. I don't yeah. trust that guy as far as I can throw him. Again, and life on the line. very far. <laughs> 45-yard field goal, life on the line. Or, like, we'll go 50-yarder. 
You're not loving your chances of, of living, are you? The guy went to the Pro Bowl a couple of years ago, and people are going to point that out. Hey, Mitch, how about the year that the guy went like nine or ten weeks in a row without missing a kick, a field goal? Yeah. They don't like to point out that during that stretch of most field goals made. By the way, he owns the Seahawks team record of most field goals in a row made during that stretch when he made the Pro Bowl. But those same people don't like to point out that he was missing extra points while he was making all those right. field goals. He was missing extra points. That's right, yeah. People like Jason Myers. I don't want to take a crap on him, Yeah, but I don't trust him. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I don't trust any kickers outside like Jason Tucker, whatever the guy's name is. Yeah. Jason Tucker, that's not his name. As soon no. as he missed it, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> Levy's got 45 minutes on this. I'll just sit back and listen. I can't wait. We saw Devin Witherspoon make his Seahawks debut. What would you think? Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker, not yeah, Jason. Right. Yeah, Justin Tucker. I thought that, A, it was nice to see him out there running around. I think that's the my prevailing thought, especially after a win, is it was nice to see number 21 running around and trying to make plays. Right. Uh, number two, I would say there were two or three moments that were nice, that were nice moments. He knocked the ball away, I think, on a fourth down play, on a ball to the tight end over the middle. He was involved, I think, in another fourth down play. I saw him come up and try to make some tackles in the run game. I think overall there were two or three nice moments for Devin Witherspoon. I'll ask Brady and Brian, the Seahawks no table, all about this. I think there were some not-so-good moments for Devin Witherspoon's debut. I mean, the first game for a rookie, there's going to be some not-so-great yeah. moments, yeah. right? I remember Reek Woolen, Tariq Woolen, the first couple of games, people didn't like him at all. He's getting pass interference calls all over the place. Right. Witherspoon got a, a pass interference call in the first half of that game. So I would say just nice that he's out there yeah. and he made some good plays. Yeah, he's probably on pace with every other great DB, if he will be one. Go back and look at Earl Thomas's for you know any great DB that you love. Richard Sherman, Cam. I'm sure they made some mistakes sure. and made some plays, so I'm he'll sure. be just fine. Let's see. Seeing the number five pick overall out there running around, I agree, yes. is a good sign. <laughs> the defense, after the week one disaster against the Rams, better. But they gave up 31 points, right? But meh. Yeah. You know, they were yeah. better on third down, but they still gave up six of 11. I saw a third and seven where they handed it off and he managed to get the first down when he got Goff back there. But nope, we'll hand it off. They were better than they were a week ago, probably because they made a couple of plays to get off the field. Mm. The defense made a couple of plays on fourth down to get off the field. There were two fourth down conversions that Detroit failed to capitalize on. So Seahawks defense gets a little credit for that. Jaron Reed recovered a fumble. There was a fumble there at the beginning of the second half. That yeah. was, I'm glad you point that out. But still, Goff has a 122 passer rating. Mm. They go for 418 yards. You got two sacks, which wasn't much pressure. They ran for four yards a carry. I mean, right. you weren't the 85 Bears. <laughs> right. Okay? You weren't the 85 Bears, but it was improved. And I guess tolerable because they won. Exactly. That's exactly My right. guess is, is that if they had had the exact defensive performance as they did, the Lions had won the coin toss to get the kick at the beginning of the overtime and gone down and scored, I probably would be on here saying the defense sucks and it's shit and I'm tired of complaining about it. But I guess it's tolerable because they won and it was slightly better than it was a week ago. If the Seahawks lose 31 to 13, you're like, this defense is horrible. 31 points. They're awful. So yes, it's definitely more to tolerable because they won. Right. I'll tell you who was better than all right, Gino. Gino was great. Yeah. 
Gino is great. And you got to give a lot of credit. I'm, I almost I almost ended the segment without doing it. It would have been terrible. You got to give a lot of credit to uh, Forsyth at left tackle and Kerhan at right tackle. That's true. Or maybe it's the other way around. You got to give the tackles a lot of credit. It was functional. Gino did not get hit a lot. I mean, he was under pressure some, and they blitzed him some, and they moved him out of the pocket some. But for the most part, now there wasn't much of a run game. There were like 62 yards on non-Geno run scrambles. I take him out of there. The traditional run game, the hand the ball to Kenneth Walker, even though he scored a couple of touchdowns and he had that 14-yard run on the first run of the game, mm -hmm. it was 22 carries for 62 yards. Right. So under three yards a carry. It's funny. There's a lot of things about that game that if they lose and the performances are exactly the same, I'm on here bitching and moaning. That's right. As good a fourth quarter as he had, I don't know that the Seahawks are going very far with Trey Brown on one side and Devin Witherspoon on the other. I may be wrong about that, yeah. but they need Tariq Woolen back or Reek Woolen, whatever they call him now. So. Are you one of those people that hate the NFL OT? Have we talked about that? No, I don't. A lot know. of people hate. I could just I could hear the Lions. I didn't even look, and I'm sure the Lions fans were screaming. We didn't even get the ball, and we lost. You know, you don't you don't have any strong opinions on the OT because only I, when I my do. team loses. <laughs> what Fair do you, how do you feel about the the OT? I, I like it much better than college. I think that Kansas tiebreaker thing is horseshit. You hate that. It just you feels, watched the Colorado Colorado State last night. It feels antiquated. It yeah. feels like a different game. Yeah. I don't know. I just I don't like it. I mean, you should play football the way like with kickoffs and kickoff returns. And Are you okay with the touchdown ending it? I am. I mean, if if that's what I get, I'll take this over. No, I get it. But if you could change it, would you have both teams get a shot with the ball no matter what the first team does with it? I'm cool with it. I'm cool with a touchdown ending it. Like you got to stop them. They scored a touchdown on you, 80 yards. Like maybe you deserve to lose. I don't know. I'm cool with the rules now. Like I said, you know, if you had Devin Hester, was that the guy for the Bears who was Suncoast High School, Riviera Beach, Florida? There yes. you go. Yes. If you had him on your team, yeah. But you're doing the Kansas tiebreaker bullshit. It completely forfeits his kickoff return abilities, right? True. True. He's he is We're just a, using him because that's the best. Think I can about think. this. He is a near Hall of Fame. He might be in the Hall of Fame some someday as a kick returner. That's how good he was. One of the best ever. Right. So he was a wide receiver at Suncoast High School. So you would imagine that he was the greatest <laughs> yeah, wide receiver sure. in the history of Suncoast High School. He wasn't. Oh, is it your buddy, AC? No. Same high school. Really? Anthony Carter, number one at Michigan. Imagine Devin Hester is not the, the best high no, school receiver at his high school. Holy shit. He's like, how good do I have to be around here to be the best receiver at my stupid high school? I grew up going to see wow. Anthony Carter play. He was my brother's age. My dad used to take me. To Friday night games and watching Anthony Carter AC, play. AC, man, he was legit. Oh. How different do we feel <laughs> today know. than we did one week ago after watching that bullshit yeah. that I had to apologize for F-bombs on the podcast. Yeah, which you didn't have one to. One week but... later, here we are. I know. What? One week yeah. later. By this the way, is why we love the National Football League. Char I think Charbonnet might be your kick returner, now that I think about it. I think this team's going all the way. Let's go. <laughs> Let's buy our plane tickets after they're the show. They're one and one. You figure they're going to beat Carolina. You figure, yeah. And of course, next week right now, we'll be talking about Bryce Young coming in here <laughs> and beating him. Totally. God. But for now, we feel good. Oh, we're stupid. We Sports feel fans good. Are so stupid. Much better than the ballet. Of course. Ten times better than the ballet. No doubt. Three interviews and then the other stuff segment. 
It's been a while since my friend and Mitch Unfiltered partner, John Waterstrat joined us, and there's good reason. He's been busy. An exciting major facelift to some of the fireside showrooms. How are you, J-Dub? I'm doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. And yes, it, it has been busy, and we're excited to unveil some new, cool new projects. We have a new sales director that came along, and he's been putting his footprint on the showrooms, and we're excited about what he's doing. We're going to put some new fireplaces you've never seen before, and then we're redoing our whole outdoor kitchen area. Wow. The fantastic flagship Bellevue location was already beautiful, so I can't wait to drop by and see it. So what's the rumor about some big project you're coming up, some enormous fireplace that you guys are ready to install? Yes, our commercial department is doing a fantastic job, and as we've talked about before, we can do almost anything in fireplaces, and custom fireplaces are getting bigger and bigger, and we're hoping to uh, unveil the one of the largest fireplaces in North America. It's going to be pretty exciting stuff. How big? Roughly 25 feet. And you're not going to tell us where it is, but we'll be able to see it sometime? And we'll be able to see it, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Oh, that's yeah. going to be fun. So now that we've reached, let's call it the off-season for fireplace use, it's actually, you and I talk about this, one of the better times of the year to start the process of redoing the fireplaces in your home, or like you guys did for us, an outdoor unit. Yes. I mean, when the weather gets nice out there, things go a little bit faster. So we're not fighting the weather, whether we have to extract a fireplace, put a new one in. And then again, outside as well, when you're out there, we can get something done pretty quickly for you right now. And so when you're looking at the off season and you have a schedule and, and you want to get something done quickly, it's the best time to do it. Yeah. Whether it's fireplaces or garage doors, begin your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. I'll bet you'll end your search there too. It's sponsors like John and Fireside that make our shows and growing guest lists possible. Fireside Home Solutions and firesidehomesolutions.com. Hey, look who it is. Katie Versio, the Director of Financial Planning, Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. The market's up. How's everything at Evergreen? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Everything here is going well. How are you doing? Everybody is good here. I'm ready for the new trivia quiz. The theme today is what? Today we're doing a economic and market update. I'm okay. revisiting some of the questions we discussed at this time last year and just seeing how things have changed. Questions that I undoubtedly missed at this time last year. I'll try to get some answers right and I'm ready for question number one from Evergreen Golf Call. So the Federal Reserve started increasing interest rates in March of 2022 in an effort to cool inflation and slow down the economy without tipping us into a recession. How many times has the Fed raised rates since March of 2022? Is it seven times, nine times, or 11? It's a lot. I'm throwing seven out. It's either nine or 11. 11 sounds extremely high. I'm going to go nine. So it actually is 11 times. Oh. Yeah, so the Fed the fastest tightening cycle on record where interest rates have increased significantly now we see the two-year treasury around 4.8 percent so while we don't know what will happen moving forward if they're going to raise again if they'll pause or if they'll cut we think now is a good time to lock in yields on fixed income and of course mitch is in a familiar spot oh for one i'm ready for question number two okay so in june of 2022 the inflation rate was 9.1 percent the highest rate in four decades. What's the current inflation rate as of June 2023? Is it 
4% or 5%. Well, it's way down, but I don't think it's down to three, so I'll go 4% B again. It's actually 3%. Oh. So inflation has come down significantly over the last 12 months. In addition, unemployment has stayed low under 4%. Right now it's under 3.6%. What they've been doing appears to have had some effect on these markers. And there I am at 0 for 2. I'm probably staring at another 0% in the face. I'm ready for question number three. Have a little mercy on me, would you please, Katie? <laughs> All right, I'm giving you an easy one this time. So it's a true or false. Okay. Both stocks and bonds are up in 2023. Absolutely true. I'm going to get one right, Katie. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. <laughs> so stocks are up 19% and bonds are up a little over 2%. So this is following the worst year on record for a balanced portfolio that I know we've talked about in the past. So it's been a strong start in the first half of the year. All of the ups and downs over the last many years make this a great time to learn more about my partner, Evergreen Golf Call, a one-stop shop for all of your investment needs. Learn about them at evergreengk.com. Unfiltered. Smith to throw. Pressure from Hutchinson. Runs away. Great throw. Walking down it for the end zone. It's over. The Seahawks win it. There's so many guys that, that did great stuff today in this game. I'm starting with the tackles. You know, there's a lot of people that, that wrote us off because they didn't think that Stone could, could get it done and Jake could get it done. But they did. They did a phenomenal job today. They held up their end of it, uh, stepped up just like we asked guys to do, and came through in a huge way. Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger, Brady Henderson, ESPN, Seahawks Insider, all brought to you by Taco Time Northwest. It's the Seahawks No Table. Did you know daycare assistance is one of the many incredible services Taco Time Northwest offers its employees? If you'd like to become a member of the team, tacotimenw.com. Brady, my, what a difference a week makes. Feels a little different getting with you guys this week. Just a little different. Yeah, I, I did not see this coming just like I did not see that performance uh, in week one coming. I guess, you know, you, it might have been easy to predict the Seahawks would be one and one after two weeks, but uh, certainly you would not have predicted it to go this way. And, you know, there was so much stacked up against the Seahawks in this game, which really makes it one of their more, in my opinion, one of their more impressive victories in recent memory. When you consider everything they were up against, playing with tackle, backup tackles, uh, at both spots there, you know, coming off an embarrassing loss in week one, playing in one of the loudest environments I can recall. Um, I, I cannot begin to tell you how loud it was. And, and you know, it's kind of cool here at Ford Field because the press box is open air. So it's not like it is at Lumen Field where, you know, some of the sound gets muffled behind the, the windows there. Um, I mean, it was ear splitting here and the tackle situation and playing a really good Lions pass rush against a team that was, you know, coming off of that week one win over the defending champion Chiefs and riding high and every people were calling this the biggest game in Detroit in years uh, and they go out and it was far from perfect and and some of their warts from the opener certainly showed up but to get it done in this fashion really is all sorts of impressive before Brian jumps in which was more implausible last week's performance or this one the result last week or this one in a vacuum last week. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Seahawks, look, they beat Detroit here in a similar shootout last year. They've sort of had their number in recent seasons. What made this one implausible, I think, in part, was just how bad they looked 
uh, in the opener. And you just saw, you know, they were just a completely different, not perfect, but completely different team in this game. Yeah. I mean, you guys, this is what makes being a sports fan fun. People say, ah, I don't like to be wrong. I love to be wrong, especially in sports, because that's what makes it unpredictable. If you can actually know what's going to happen every week, then why the heck are you watching? So this was a situation where we had as much of a swing from one week to another as you're going to find in anything. It wasn't just like one thing. Every single player pretty much last week was trash. Every coaching performance was pretty bad. And then you could pretty much say the opposite. How many coaches in the NFL, how many head coaches in the NFL could have taken their team from how they performed last week and suffered the injuries they suffered and had them go on the road to a team that is as excited, amped up as they've ever been and come out with a victory. I think it's it's very, very rare. Brian, I always say when I'm tortured by sports, it's easier to be a fan of the ballet. But here's an example. <laughs> here's an example of why we like NFL football, why we like sports more than the ballet. The three hours on Sunday between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Pacific time as the Seahawks somehow, some way beat the Lions. Let's get an injury report first, Brady. Then we can jump into it. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com. Seahawks insider who remains in Detroit as you listen to this podcast. Tariq Woolen is the one I'm thinking about. Are there others? And what's the latest on Woolen? Yeah, Pete Carroll didn't sound too concerned about that being a long-term injury. Uh, after the game, he said Woolen was sore and that he should be okay. Obviously, it was serious enough to keep him out for the remainder of the game. Remember, he left in the second quarter, didn't come back, and that's what opened the door for Trey Brown uh, to come in and make the plays that he did. Remember, Brown didn't even start this game because uh, Devin Witherspoon made his NFL debut, and then there he is. You know, After I thought a rough outing in the opener for Brown, he makes the pick six, has the sack, Seattle's first sack of the season, I think finished with three passes defense. So he was, uh, you can't call him an unsung hero when he gets a pick six, but he was one of several heroes in this game. And that cornerback depth that we talked about all offseason, it's starting to show up. The other injury situations uh, you know, were DK Metcalf and Evan Brown both left the game, came back. Uh, but came back. So it seems like they made it out fairly okay. Brady, I'm expecting your crack staff to answer the question that I posed on Twitter and on the uh, earlier sections of this podcast. How many times in NFL history, sorry, how many times in Seahawks history has one man had a sack and then a pick six in back-to-back plays? Has it ever happened in Seahawks? It happened in Detroit on Sunday. I wouldn't be shocked if that's never happened before uh, this game in NFL history. I mean, that's two pretty, I mean, a sack, you just don't get too many cornerback sacks to begin with, let alone with one play between that and a pick six. So I'll tell you what, I'll get my best man on it. Uh, we got a great staff at ESPN. With that kind <laughs> but, of, but guys, stuff. guys, guys, if we're talking about unlikely, yeah. if I told you guys that uh, the the Detroit Lions were going to have six quarterback hits and two sacks in this game. Would you have believed me? Would you have taken that before this week? Of course. Of course. They didn't have two sacks and six quarterback hits. They had one quarterback hit and one sack. The Seahawks (laughs) had six quarterback six and two sacks. And the one sack and one quarterback hit they had was Geno Smith giving them that play on his worst play of the game. Yeah. I think that is easily as unlikely as Trey Brown going sack pick six. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston have no sacks and no quarterback hits in this game. Incredible. That is a incredible, crazy outcome. An incredible. And maybe you want to hold that 
Nemhauser, why don't you hold that until we do the Taco Time Northwest, who was doing some work. I got a feeling a couple of tackles. We're doing some work. Brady, I'm going to step in it because I don't know the answer to this question. You may know. When Geno spoke, did anybody ask him about his worst play? There was one play that stands out. He had plenty of opportunity just to throw that sucker away, and he didn't do it. Did he explain why? I was thinking maybe he thought that there'd be an illegal man downfield by the time he went to throw it away late in that play, but that even wouldn't be a good explanation. No, no, he didn't say that. His his answer was basically that he was just kind of wary of throwing the ball away too early and stopping the clock too early to give Detroit, you know, a more time than they would have had uh, to mount that game tying or, or could have been game winning drive at the end of regulation. So, uh, but he knows that, you know, you taking a 17 yard sack is a lot worse oh my than God and a few extra seconds. And, you know, I thought uh, just to, to sort of go big picture here, because this is what we, uh, you know, reporters love to do is to look for <laughs> metaphors and stuff. You know, Bobby Wagner, I think I mentioned it on the uh, show earlier this week about how he, you know, gathered the team, uh, on Wednesday before practice and gave that fiery F-bomb late in speech. Yeah. They talked about Wednesday. it on the, on the broadcast today. They talked about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the message was, you know, forget what happened in week one. It was terrible, but put it behind you. And how relevant was that message to Geno Smith uh, at the end of regulation makes just a horrible play, forcing Michael Dixon to punt the ball with his heels on the end line, giving Detroit mm. the ball at the 50-yard line, setting up the game-tying field goal to send it to overtime. And then Smith just puts that all behind him goes six of seven for 69 yards uh, on that game winning drive, capping it with a touchdown pass to lock. So he was, uh, you know, save for that one play, he was brilliant in this game. And uh, really, I think one of his better games as a Seahawk, even with well, that mistake. I love that Brady. And, and let me, can I give you guys a nerdy number here? Sure. I go a little nerdy on you. So, sure. so of the plays, every single play either adds win probability or removes it right for each team. Geno Smith getting sacked in that situation had the third largest effect on WIB probability in this game. The Seahawks, the, the Seahawks chances of winning went from 49% to 33% just based on that one play. And the other two that were above it, one of them was the touchdown that went from uh, the, the Lions having a 40% chance to win to zero. And the other was Trey Brown's pick six. So I, that was a huge moment that Geno Smith created himself. But man, that guy had a great game. I I was sick because of the two things you just said, because that moment was such a bad play in an otherwise spec. I'm going to call it spectacular. I know we use Sterling. Sterling. Fantastic. I thought it was all things considered Geno, one of Geno Smith's finest hours. And he had a lot of them in the first eight or nine weeks last year. It would have made me absolutely sick. Not Brady because he's not a fan. But it would have made me sick if they lose. Can you imagine? They lose the game because oh, of, that I can imagine. One, of that one play <laughs> after every other play that he made over the course of the day. It would have been very Seahawk for that to end up as a loss. And I don't think many fans would have been that shocked for it to happen. Right. But, you know, it, it didn't. And, and I think this was a more for Geno Smith than maybe anybody else. This was such a statement game. There were people that are saying, hey, he hasn't had it since the last half, like the first half of last year. Right. He's just not the player that anyone says he was. It was is, is a you know, mirage. And then he comes out this the first week of this season. He has just an awful game. The worst that would have been the worst of his whole season last year. He comes out and just I mean, guys, 
the third down conversions. I mean, we talk about the touchdowns. Look at the touchdown throw he made to Tyler Locke at the first one. I mean, you can't throw a better ball. Look at the third down throw he made to DK Metcalf in overtime, third and six. I mean, you give this guy a pocket, he will spin the ball and make some really good, good throws. So it was fun to watch him out there today, yeah. for sure. Special day for the Seahawks. They get to one and one The Panthers are next. This is the Seahawks no table with Brian and Brady. Uh, Brady, what's the conclusion? Is it too early in the week to get a grade on Devin Witherspoon? Scott just asked me in our last segment on the podcast, Hotshot said, what'd you think? And I said, well, I think, I think a couple of things. Number one, it's great to see him out there running around. I, I just wanted to see number 21 running around. Um, after that, I thought that there were two or three plays that he made that were big-time plays on the tight end, I think on a fourth down play or on a third down play, he also got fooled on the trick play. He gave up some stuff. He got a P.I. penalty, which we saw Tariq Woolen last year early in the season get P.I. penalty. Is there an overall thought as to how 21 played? Yeah, it was certainly a mixed bag. And I, you know, this is one of those cases where you've sort of got to do a deeper dive into it, look at some of the numbers, go back and watch some of it. But I mean, first blush was it, you know, there were times where he looked like, you know, the fifth overall pick made that brilliant play on the first fourth down. Uh, second one, you know, he got his feet tangled there. And I think they were sort of fortunate to not have a, a pass interference called there. Uh, ball may have been uncatchable anyways. Uh, he also had a nice tackle uh, early in the game, which was the first sort of play he made. And that was, you know, one of the things they really like about him is he will cover, but he will also come up and hit you. And so uh, but then, you know, he really got fooled there on the um on the, the flea flicker and maybe yeah. they were taking advantage of his willingness to come up and tackle, sure. you know, aggressive. Um, yeah. 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 And so, you know, all in all it was, it was up and down, but it was his first time out there. And like the good news is they've got pretty good depth there to where if you lose Wolin for half of a game, a pro bowl cornerback last year, you know, you can, you got guys there who can come in and, and uh, still keep things afloat. Mitch did, did you think Earl Thomas had a pretty good career for the Seahawks? He definitely did, yes. I think we all remember Earl Thomas had was victimized by Brett Favre in, uh, by, in a preseason game. First, first game of his second game of his career preseason. Same kind of thing. Overly aggressive player, uh, amazingly confident in his abilities. And what matters to me in a pick at that level is that he flashes the potential, that he flashes the ceiling. I'm not going to be upset about a sure. uh, first game rookie biting on a double move. Every cornerback I've ever seen as a rookie has that moment. It's great. He showed uh, he showed that he's going to be close to every play. He, he showed that he belonged. He had a game he could build on. And I'm I'm saying right now, I, I think it's a good bet. We're going to see him get his first pick against Mr. Bryce Young next week. So overall, uh, Brian, how would you? How would you label the defensive performance? You and I were talking as we were rating for Brady. Um, I said to you, it felt similar to last week, except for maybe they got off the field a few times on third and fourth down, which was the difference in the game and the reason why it feels like a better defensive performance than last week. Yeah, I think you got to give it a C plus. I mean, you, you can't feel great when you're still giving up a lot of yards, a lot of points. But when you get two critical turnovers, the turnover after the 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 first play of the second half, the fumble forced by Uchenna Nuosu, uh, that turned the game. That was the key play in this game. And then the pick six. Those are defense actually changing the outcome of this game. They did play better on third down. It wasn't great. They played really well on fourth down. 
And so, and they got a little bit of pass pressure. Like you saw a little, little bit, bit on, little on bit. that, on that pick six, Chenna Nuosa was in there creating that hitting an arm. So a little bit showing up, not great, but I'd take it. If they play like this and the offense plays like this, yeah. the team can win. You talk lot. about the pass pressure, Brady on one of those fourth downs, Jordan Brooks comes flying in, in the middle to kind of disrupt the play at the same time, Derek Hall, I don't think you're going to see that mentioned much, but Derek Hall pushes his offensive lineman into the backfield and arrives at the quarterback about the same time as Jordan Brooks does. So a nice play from a rookie player who they're expecting some things. What would you say overall about the defensive performance in Detroit? Yeah, it was a lot better. You know, third down still wasn't great, but if you consider, you know, the the two fourth down plays as being part of, you know, sort of that whole sure, idea of sure. getting off the field, then, um, you know, it, it was better. I think Detroit was, yeah, one for three. Uh, on fourth down. So all in all, it was what? Seven of 14. 14. Yeah. Not great, but still, you know, a lot better than last week. And any semblance of a pass rush would have been more than what they got last week. But I agree with you. They mean, they certainly, they, they changed some things up, did it without boy, Mafe, uh, who was inactive because of an injury. And so I, I think I said it last week, there's just too much, talent on that front you know they don't have like a Nick Bosa or a you know TJ Watt or that guy but they've got a bunch of pretty good guys there and there was just way too much talent for them to do what they did in the opener so you figured they were gonna um, be better and they were in this game and I still think that there's more growth there we we still haven't seen you know Draymond Jones make uh, I, I think he may have had a pressure yeah he had a sack he had a sack oh he did have a sack yeah Yeah. that's right i'm sorry yeah yeah um but you know there's the my point being is that they've they've still got room for growth there up front brian julian love and kobe bryant talk to me well i mean i think you could give a lot of players on this defense b's and i think that those two guys you got to give d minus you know bordering on f grades those guys have been absolutely unacceptably bad uh, for through two weeks of the season. They did not turn around from the first week to the second week. And I think I can't believe I'm saying it, but people should be looking forward to Jamal Adams playing some coverage instead of Julian Love because Jamal Adams, I think, will be back next week. And I think it'll mean less Julian Love on the field. It'll probably mean less Kobe Bryant. And I think that could actually have a pretty nice impact. And I, I wouldn't have guessed I would say that when the season started. I got to do it. I'm remiss. Taco Time Northwest celebrates people who are doing some work. And we did it after the loss last week. We'll do it after the win this week. I'll take whatever left, the scraps that are left. We'll start with Brady Henderson in Detroit, ESPN.com, Seahawks Insider. Who was doing some work on Sunday in Detroit, Brady? Well, gosh, I mean, we've hardly mentioned him so far, and he did have the game-winning touchdown as well as another touchdown. Tyler Lockett, eight catches for 59 yards, the two scores. I'll give you a fun little story. So on that final play there uh, in overtime, you know, he says that they are taught – to not reach the ball out for the pylon just for obvious reasons. Like, you know, you might hit the pylon with the ball, but the ball might squirt out and, you know, it goes through the end zone for a touchback and that's a turnover. So they're taught to not do that. He did it there uh, and it worked out well for the game winning touchdown. So uh, kind of a quiet opener for Lockett and basically everybody else on offense. Uh, but he exploded 
in this game and he was doing some serious work. That's how you can sell a house too. He's, he's going to get a little more <laughs> pub for that. So uh, yeah. Mitch, yeah. I, I, I could go all over the place on Tackles. this. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I actually think Michael Dixon could use a little bit of love yeah. and the tight ends could yeah. use some love, but yeah. I will just say my guy is Geno Smith. Uh, this is for what it meant to this season. His performance overall just keeps the ceiling where I think it was for a lot of folks to start the year. And uh, so that was a masterful performance and he definitely was doing some work. And then I would just say the tackles, you place backup tackles in that setting and that scenario, not being able to hear with a, an all pro coming off of one of the edges and they move him around the job that the, those guys and the entire offensive, not a great running day. I think outside of the scrambles, we had 22 carries, 62 yards, which is less than three yards a carry in the traditional running game. But still, to keep Geno upright, to allow him the time to have the day that he had, well over 300 yards and two touchdowns and, and lots of long drives, the tackles in the offensive line. Guys, they were doing some work. Taco time, NW.com. It's the Seahawks note table now. We'll be together for the show for the patrons on Friday morning. Are you guessing, Brady, that we're going to see Adams next week? Are you guessing, Brady, that we might see Cross next week? Are you guessing, Brady, that we might see Mafe next week? I'm going to put the BHI, that'd be the Brady Henderson Index, at 75% uh, for both Adams and Cross. But I'll, I'll put it at 85% for Adams uh, 75% for cross. Okay. That's sort of an early look at it. Adams has had the, you know, the two, he will have had two weeks of practice, but he was sort of limited last week. And so, um, it seems like he's got a good chance. I'm not ready to say he's a lock to be in the lineup. And then with Mafe, we just got to see, don't know a whole lot about that. I think it's uh, encouraging that he was at least questionable going into this game. So it's not like they ruled him out on Friday. So, um, got a decent chance to come back i think lots of content this week good content coming from our guys brady henderson on twitter of course hawk blogger that would be not block hogger hawk blogger brian nemhauser doing a great job with all of his content and uh available on youtube as well thank you guys brian thanks very much seahawks win appreciate it brian thanks for having me mitch and there's brady henderson travel safe back from detroit brady all right thanks guys talk to you later hey look who it is Lindsay Schwartz, Daniel's Broiler, my favorite steakhouse during the summer and any time of year. How are you, Lindsay? How's everything at Daniel's Broiler? Hey, Mitch, doing great. Yeah, it's summertime. We've been so fortunate to have such beautiful weather, have a beautiful summer, July, August. Yep. That means we get to open all the decks and patios. Busy, busy, busy. So let's keep up this great weather. What I can tell you is that when my buddy, old friend Mark Kalkavecchia comes to town the golfer for the Boeing Classic. He's not even in SeaTac Air. I think he's still on the plane when he texts me, hey, can you help me out with Daniel's Broiler? Can you help me out with Daniel's Broiler? It's a favorite of the golfers that come for the Boeing Classic, isn't it? It really is. A few years ago when Jerry Kelly won, he came into Daniel's to celebrate afterwards, and I was nice. there and saw him and talked to him a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think the word is out. That's the place to go if you win the tournament. Too bad I didn't teach you a little about the game of golf while he was there. Did you meet him did he no tips oh god that yeah <laughs> I, that would be a full-time job he already has a job I don't, I don't think he has time for that all right last time you were on you talked desserts i want to focus on appetizers this time around it's a little controversial in the way that i never want to eat too much before the steak arrives 
but you have such good appetizers. I'm torn on that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, we, we try to keep them light, so we make that decision easy for you. We don't want to fill you up on the appetizers, but we just try to make them delicious, and I think we've done that. I know that. I know you've talked about the scallops, how you love, I love that one. Love the scallops. Yeah, the bacon-wrapped scallops. Yes. They're so good. I think it's something unique that we do. We, we pick the big jumbo scallops. We wrap them in bacon. We put them on the broiler. It's just a really unique flavor. You get the Sambuca butter sauce, serve it on top of crostini. You got good taste. Those are really, really good. How about some of the other appetizers? I know from experience, the popcorn shrimp has gone from a a Levy boy's favorite as their main course to now they just get a couple of orders before their steaks as they eat me out of house and home. What about some of the other appetizers? Yeah, I mean, the popcorn shrimp are awesome. I think really what makes them is the sauce. It comes with two sauces, the yes. sriracha aioli, which is spicy and delicious, and the lemon aioli is really, really good. And yeah, I've told you before, my kids love that too. Even even now they're grown up, they still got to have it. And your favorite is the crab leg? Yeah, I like the crab legs. I mean, the cool thing about it is if you love crab like I do, but you don't like to have to work for it and crack the crab and wear a bib, they're already shelled. We, we take the, the crab legs out of the shell, the big fry leg, which is the biggest leg on a crab. Right. And uh, we serve that in a Dijon mustard sauce. Yeah, that's been my favorite. I love that so one. So I guess the, uh, the moral to the story is, even if you're not in the mood for a big giant steak, you can go to Daniel's, have a drink, and feast on the appetizers and enjoy some of the great views of the Pacific Northwest. We love Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. It's New Heisel Time, presented by Taco Time Northwest, which continues to look for new employees, good people who enjoy doing some work, great compensation packages and perks, tacotimenw.com. In most cases, you can be on a Zoom interview with a recruiter from Taco Time within minutes of applying online. We still love them despite the Troy selection. We came up empty. We came up short. Bob Levy somewhere is saying, I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> Troy doesn't allow us to cash our tickets. Uh, it was unfortunate. They had it all set up to do just that. And unfortunately, uh, with a couple of different options, down 16-14, they just didn't get it done. But let's give uh, the Dukes, as uh, they said in uh, Trading Places, it was the Dukes <laughs> that got it done. Yes. Mortimer Duke. College football <laughs> week three headlines. I'll give you the choice. I'll throw three out at you. You, uh, you take them on as you please. Let's go. I love it. Colorado survives Colorado State in overtime. Autzen Stadium is next. Colorado State not very good, and yet Colorado struggles. You had the two powers struggling in SEC wins. Georgia inexplicably with South Carolina in Athens. Alabama down in South Florida. I don't understand why Alabama even plays that game on the road. And then you've got our, our story out here. Michigan State embarrassed on the field 
after the Mel Tucker investigation and suspension, Washington dismantles the Spartans and East Lansing. Take them on as you please. Let's start there uh, because it's a feel-good story. What Kalen DeBoer has done in his brief time there on Montlake is astounding. The pairing with he and his former quarterback, Michael Penix, recall that he was the coordinator at Indiana when Michael Penix uh, produced his best numbers as the signal caller there for the Hoosiers is, is a great one. Couple him with all these gifted receivers. It's just really a wonderful story. And, and I want to get a little personal here, Mitch, because Jack Westover scored two touchdowns yesterday. Yeah. And Brant Westover, his dad, is one of my good buddies. Ah. To see Brent, I remember how many of my friends called me when my son Jerry had his moments in the sun as a, as a quarterback for UCLA. So I want to give a big shout out to Brant and uh, his boy Jack Westover, who continues to impress as the tight end for the Huskies, continuing to make big plays. But uh, the receiving group there in the Husky uh, locker room is one to behold. Uh, I know everybody raves about Ohio State's guys, but this group at Washington is really, really special, and it will be fun to track them throughout the rest of the year. And if Michael Penix uh, stays healthy, and we're all knocking on wood that that will be the case, this is a story that's not going to end anytime soon. This is really a wonderful, wonderful team and really explosive. To line up against them when they get three receivers to one side gives you a nightmare because numbers two and three, we always count from outside in in football. Numbers two and three are hard to play because there's no sideline that you can funnel them to. Right. And they play so many different combinations. And Penix is so gifted at putting the ball up where they can make plays and only they can make plays. It's just been really wonderful to uh to watch so congratulations to the huskies michigan state you know i don't know why they kept picking the bad card but unfortunately they keep having troubles away from the field that uh force their athletic department into conversations that nobody wants to have so uh unfortunately that's just the way it is uh i thought that they might play inspired but noah kim was like 12 of 31 give the husky defense a big uh, pat on the back for not getting distracted great great win on the road for the dogs let's move now to colorado uh colorado state goes in there you can question the judgment <laughs> of, of the head coach of Colorado State just, you know, basically poking the bear or in this case, poking the prime uh-huh. or priming the pump, whichever you choose to, <laughs> to do. He got a, a fistful of it, right? And decided I'm going all in. And the Rams played beautifully. The Rams were there to win the game. And I always say this about coaching, Mitch. There's two things you have to do. Once you get to the game, obviously preparation is huge, but once you get to the game, you have to, well, number one, keep from losing the game. And then number two, knowing when it's time to go win the game. He did a nice job of the first of the former, but the latter, knowing when it's time to go win the game, unfortunately, Jay Norvell failed in that. There were two opportunities in that game. And I stayed up into the wee hours here on the East coast to watch yeah. it because yeah. it was that good of television. Yeah. He had a chance on fourth and two, I think on the plus 40, somewhere in there. It may be plus 42. But if you if you don't make the fourth down conversion, that you're going to give up 
30 yards of offense anyway when you punt it, right? You There's a chance you punt it and you're going to the end zone. They're going to get it on the 20. They got it down to the two and he still went 97 yards. You couldn't get that guy stopped. So go win the game with your offense. You were having your way on that side of the ball. Go win the game, fourth and two. They only had one timeout left. Win it. And if I give him a pass for not doing that, because the ball goes down to the two, mm-hmm. when overtime arrives mm-hmm. and they take the ball first mm-hmm. and kick the extra point and you find a way into the end zone after losing your best defender in the previous possession with a targeting call, it's time to go for two and win the game. It's your best chance. The other thing a head coach needs to have is somebody that's willing to tell him what the truth is. Somebody needed on that staff to say, Jay, we have to go for two here. We can't stop these guys. We are up against it. The odds are in their favor when they have the ball. And without our best defender, we, our offense isn't as good as theirs. Yeah. Win the game. Go win it. And everybody would have forgiven him. Sure. But but uh, unfortunately, he didn't mm. uh, heed my advice. And they go quietly into the night. And here's uh, the prime effect in uh, double time as they get ready to head to Austin Stadium in Eugene. Does it end in Austin? Does the streak end in Austin? You don't see them beating Oregon on that stage, do you? The Hunter kid is not going to be available. Uh, so that's going to be one less thing to worry about for Dan Lanning. But remember this. Dan Lanning was one of those guys who made it, quote, personal when he made his comments about Colorado's uh, announcement that they were heading to the Big 12. He said something along the fact lines that uh, who cares? What have they done? Given that, they'll try to make it personal, but I think I think it ends. I, I will not be picking Colorado to win that game, given what the way I saw Colorado State play. Is there an American family... A family in the United States not named Swift, Taylor Swift, having a better time right now than the Sanders family. He's got a son who got a pick six. He's got a son who's a a Heisman contender at quarterback. He's flashing his shades. He's handing out. Who's having a better time than the Sanders family and the Swift family? You're exactly right. Those two families have hit it out of the park, (laughs) circling the bases. And you know what? They can take as long as they want. No one cares if they're showing anybody up as they uh, trot gingerly around the diamond. Georgia and Uh, Alabama. Go ahead. Georgia and Alabama. Georgia, I don't think much to worry about. They treated the first two games like preseason. They have yet to really... Kirby likes to play in an entire roster rather than stars. And I think we as a media group are all kind of prone to want to talk about individuals and throw numbers at you. How many catches, how many yards, how many touchdown passes, what the heck it was. We're not going to get that from Georgia. They just are going to overwhelm you. They're a boa constrictor. It won't be fancy. It won't be uh quick strike. It'll be slow and uh, hopefully for the deceased, painless, but uh, they're going to overwhelm you. They're that, they're that good. They're that talented, especially defensively. I think Spencer Rattler impressed a lot of pro scouts. I think he hung in there uh, despite not having a lot of time. And South Carolina, unfortunately, they lost the kid who scored the first touchdown on that play, had some drop balls. It was a great performance by South Carolina. They're just not good enough to beat Georgia, and I'm not sure anybody is, with the exception of LSU. LSU uh, flexed Jaden Daniels going 21 of 22 down in Starkville was impressive. 
The Alabama story is going to be one we'll be covering uh, here for the next few weeks as we try to determine what Nick Saban can do about a extremely sluggish start by their own standards. The quarterback deal was going to be a problem when you said three guys were getting time. There's just not enough reps in college practice to get three guys ready. And if you're picking one, then you're going to pick a very small segment of your offense, which is why Tommy Reese kind of probably poked and prodded to get his guy, Tyler Buckner, who transferred from Notre Dame into the lineup at uh, South Florida. Uh, you asked why South Florida, South Florida agreed to a two for one game. So they, Alabama will went there for one time. South Florida will now go to Tuscaloosa okay. twice. Okay. That was the uh, agreement, but it just so happened that South Florida was first. And remember Alex Galesh is the new head coach there at South Florida. He was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee last year when we saw the goalposts go over the top of Neyland <laughs> stadium into the Tennessee river. Right. Nick Saban looks old. He looks bewildered. He looks frustrated. And that's not going to end anytime soon until somebody really steps up and starts playing consistently. It looks like they're going to give Simpson kid the, the best chance here. I would, if I were in charge, I would be going back to Milrow. I know what I can do with his legs. You're just going to have to do it another way. You're going to have some disgruntled wide receivers deal with it. They still, I think, are defensively capable. This takes a lot of pressure off the other place that's uh, being exposed, which is the edges of their offensive line. I think that's the best way to go, but uh, who knows what they'll try to do. But they are up against it as Ole Miss comes to town on CBS. On CBS. And that brings us to an update of our Heisman wager. It's my favorite time of the week, New Heisel. (laughs) Let's see what I got here. My guy went 27 of 35 at East Lansing for 473 yards, four touchdowns. He had 375 in the first half and four touchdowns. Your guy against Wyoming, I don't think basketball player Fennis Dembo was in action for Wyoming. Um, See how you threw that name out. (laughs) uh Um, Your guy went 11 for 21 131 yards and two touchdowns against Wyoming. Who's ahead right now? Is Neuheisel or Levy ahead in the wager as we speak? Well, listen, I know you're feeling really good. You're (laughs) sowing your oats right now. And there's no question that Michael Penix is climbing in the the rankings. But here's what I have. Uh I have that Heisman stage. I was there. Now, Alabama's got to come back and make sure that that remains a Heisman stage. And uh, yours is going uh, on the road to Baylor this week. That will get some attention. He won the game 31 to 10, a couple of touchdowns. No one's really paying attention to the completion percentage. But if you and I were voting, Penix would be getting the straight arm trophy. Mm. There's no question about it, but I'm telling you, yours is still in the hearts and minds right. of those out there all right. that uh, cast these. I don't care balls. about the other guys. It's all it's all about yours and and. Well, no, Penix. what you care about is who gets the dang trophy, and <laughs> see, no, no, the no. other guys are no, going to no. factor into that. No, no, no. I care about who wins the wager between Mitch and Neuizel. It's who finished higher. In the trophy, Penix or Ewers, I like my place right now. You might, I, I, you, you I'm have, not, you have Alabama, you have the Alabama game, and I got a USC game coming up in a couple months' time that we're going to be talking a lot about. There you as, go. As last year's Heisman Trophy 
at potentially this year's Heisman Trophy. I got an winner. Oklahoma game here I know you do. in the corner. I know you do. I know you do. I know you do. Here's one for you. While everybody in the Pac-12 focuses on USC and their quarterback, Washington right. and their quarterback, Oregon, Utah, Colorado, UCLA, how about the game this week between the Pac-2? Wazoo and Oregon State are going to face off at 4 p.m. Pacific time. These are two really good college football teams that will be in the top 20 when they meet Rick Neuheisel. This is a really fun game and might be, and and this is one of the slates that we all look forward to when we talk college football, right? Uh, As opposed to like last week, but this is might be my favorite game. (laughs) We're going to have fun talking about this game because as the schedule is gets ready to be printed for 2024, it might be the game that's played 12 times Mm -hmm. in the pack too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) With these guys, (laughs) they could go back and forth and decide how to share the uh, the pot uh, of gold at the end. But yeah, uh, yeah. both these teams are off to great starts. Both have great quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks that have shown uh, their worth here early, Cam Ward and DJ Uwe Ungalale. They both have chips on their shoulder. They've been relegated without having done anything wrong. And I think that uh, serves as a motivational tool for both these head coaches, Jonathan Smith and Jake Dickert. I think they can say, hey, listen, the country might say you don't have a spot in the elite, but uh, you get to tell that story here on this particular Saturday. And I think it's going to be a whale of a ball game. Before we get to the taco time, who is doing some work and your pick, your third pick on Mitch Unfiltered, I want to ask you a silly question that I was going to ask you before, but it got away from me. So I'll ask it to you now. Kalen DeBoer and the way he runs an offense and the success that he's had in the first two years at Washington. When you close your eyes and you think of DeBoer, let's say 10 years from now, do you see a guy who is still at Washington? Do you see a guy who's who's uh, the head coach of one of the preeminent schools in college, blue blood schools in college football? Do you see a an NFL head coach, an NFL coordinator? What what is what is Kalen DeBoer ten years from now? Kalen DeBoer, given the way things are going now, can kind of pick his own path. Obviously, but I know him a little. I've spent a little time with him at some uh, social events. I remember and I recall that he was from South Dakota, Sioux Falls, right? As an NAII coach. Then he was at Fresno. And then he was at, I don't know that it needs to get much bigger for Kalen DeBoer. I think he's going to be very happy where he is. I think the idea of continuing to go up is maybe an allure for some, but not necessarily for him. So if I were guessing, I'd say he'll be right where he is 10 years from now. Okay. Somebody asked me, I was at an Ohio state function. If Ryan day goes to the NFL because he's fed up with Ohio state fans getting on him about losing to Michigan, who's a really good football team. Mm-hmm. And he gets an invite to the NFL who would replace him. I said, you should go get Kalen DeBoer. I don't know that Kalen would want that. Mm. I really don't. I think Kalen mm. is going to be really happy where he is. Mm. It just as uh, I was in Seattle, it's a wonderful place to live. It's uh, you get great fans. And I, I, I think uh, I, I would be shocked if he left for something different. I really would. You want a receiver, you want a kick. Taco Times Player of the Week or Coach of the Week or 
college football person. Well, of the given, week. given who I'm playing against in the great form of Mitch Levy, yeah, I'm going to receive. I'm going to take the ball. Okay, because you know who I'm going with. Yeah, the quarterback for your beloved alma mater, <laughs> Garrett Schrager. Yes, Are you headed that way too. No, no. Okay. Go. When I start talking about my player, you're going to shake your head and go, "How did I not see this coming from a mile away?" But go ahead. I want you to talk about the Harvard of Central New York and the great start that they're off to after the win over Purdue. Let's give Dino Babers credit. Uh, they're three and zero. Yeah, uh, they've been there before. They have. You know, we need to get past the midway and get yeah. into that yeah. six, seven, eight win topic before we start just lauding him for coach of the year honors and such like that. But Garrett Schrader, who began his career at Mississippi State, and if you'll recall, if you're one of those guys like I am that watch all the highlights, he was that Mississippi State quarterback that was trying valiantly to get a first down and went helicoptering through the air. I mean, literally twirling like a helicopter, yeah. landing on his, uh, his stomach uh, just short of the line to gain. But gave everything that he had. And if if you were like me, just had a warm place in your heart for him. He now is at Syracuse in a game where Purdue was had a revenge factor because Purdue lost in uh, at Syracuse a year ago. He goes 14 of 28 for 184 in the air, which is kind of the norm. Maybe he's a little better than that. He his percentages would tell you that he was. But when necessary, he went <laughs> yes. to the ground again. Yes. 25 carries for 195 yards and four. Count them, four and this touchdowns. Is, this is not a little guy. This is a big. No, he, this is a mountain of a man. He, this guy's he's a, a huge he's guy, a right? Bearded, he's a Paul yeah. Bunyan-looking yeah. son of a gun if there ever was one. <laughs> big, big old beard and son oh. of a But four touches and 195 on the ground at the quarterback position. That's uh, that's doing some work. I don't taco time would be proud to give a uh, nice little meal to the great Garrett Schrader. They would man, be myth legend. They would Syracuse. be they would be new Heisel. But when I tell you about mine, they're going to be thinking about nothing but feeding my taco time player of the week, because when you decided to receive, I got a hot flash thinking you were going to steal my guy. But you didn't. You went to the upstate. You went to the Harvard of upstate New York, and you left it wide open for me to talk about the big man from 61 yards away to beat Kansas State. You let me talk about the guy who could go to Taco Time and fill up from here to there. Taco Time might have to close when he gets through with the drive through at one of the Taco Time locations. Harrison Mevis, New Heisel. From, Harrison Mevis, from 61, 61 yards. yards yes, yes. And you know, you know when I see this guy, and he is a big, big guy, the biggest kicker, the widest kicker you ever saw. The thing, I have a visual that comes to mind. I'm wondering if you've seen it. Most of our listeners probably have seen it. Do you remember seeing video of Andy Reid when he was in the punt, pass, and kick contest? Do you have any recollection of that video? There's been I pictures. don't know that I do, oh, but there, oh, I can picture it. Oh, there's, pic, there's pictures being sent around. They made... They, they went viral, whatever the expression is, of Andy Reid when he participated as a kid 
in the punt, pass, and kick contest. That's who Harris Mevis reminded me of. And I got to say, 61 yards to win a game on the last play? Looking with that physique? How is there any other Taco Time Northwest Player of the Week? You know what? It's it's a home run. You've certainly <laughs> out eclipsed my Garrett Schrader reference. I thought you'd be so proud. I am from proud. I am proud. Uh, but uh, and Mevis, just so you know, if, if there is such a thing in life as redemption, yeah, he's the guy that Man. missed the chip shot. Yes, I mean chip shot. Yeah, at Auburn last year. Now he comes back and wins a game from 61 deep. The longest kick in the history to, to win a game, the longest kick in the history of the SEC. That's right. That's, that's a, an astounding thing. And what a big win for uh, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach at Missouri, to beat Kansas State, the number 15 team in the land. Just a monster, monster accomplishment. I don't know how often we're going to give the kickers – and punters, the love of taco time. But I felt like if we ever were going to do so, this, it was the appropriate time. this was the time to pull the trigger on that. Which brings to talking to pulling the trigger. He went out and told us Colorado last week. And that was a big winner. No problem over Nebraska. We were at the ATM machine on Monday morning. But then he turns to Troy and we're a loser. So we're one and one which means pivotal week for New Eisel's picks. Pivotal. You got to come up with one to get us back over 500. You've uh, surveyed the landscape of college football, and you've come up with what? We're going to stay on your side of the country, Mitch. Okay. We're going to okay. stay out west. Okay. Uh, listen, Arizona has shown glimpses of brilliance offensively. Jaden Delora, their quarterback, is a very, very explosive player. Now, he's turned the ball over at times, but I like him. I'm going to ride him this week. They are a 10-point pick on the farm at Stanford. Stanford's fans will not be in number there, having lost to uh, Sacramento State, the yeah. former employer of Troy Taylor. Yeah. And I'm a big Troy Taylor f fan because he was a GA of mine oh. many years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but I'm taking Jed Fish, who I worked with at uh, Baltimore. Jed Fish, I'll lay the 10, give me the cats. On the farm. And that brings us to the end of uh, one of our favorite segments each week. Rick Neuheisel, Mitch Unfiltered, each and every week, walking us through the college football season. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Mitch. Hey, it's time for a little visit from Zeke's president, Dan Black. How's your summer been, Dan? I feel like you're somewhere different every time I reach out to you. It seems that way probably because I am a lot. The Black family's <laughs> fortunate to have a bunch of great family spots for the summer. And I have been in Seattle a lot, partly for work, but also my favorite thing this summer is that my neighborhood Little League is making uh, a run to the Little League World Series. Ah, uh, Northeast Seattle Little League and Shuey, huh? Yeah, no, I heard you had Shuey on, but you know that he's just riding off the coattails of all of his past. <laughs> great nestle coaches so what they're doing is amazing and sports can be such a great source of community pride and here's a pizza guy that's going to plug another pizza place we've all been down at varlamos watching the games and you know the whole neighborhood's there and everybody's so proud and stuff but yeah what an awesome thing listen in your absence i've talked a lot about the new zeke's pizza app which makes delivery so easy from zeke's What's been the response, Dan? Um, the response has been good. All technology has its things and stuff, but when you just look at ratings and adoption, the new app has been a huge improvement over the old app. You know, the other thing that's been improved is just ordering straight online at Zeke'sPizza.com. So between yeah. the app and 
our online website, digital ordering has never been easier at Zeke's. The customer interfaces are really intuitive and easy to use and does the basic stuff like remember your past orders and stuff. So no, we feel like it's been a really good success. So football season is here and uh, you guys over at Zeke's love football season because football season kind of means pizza. What's pigskin 10? We get excited for football season at Zeke's. Yeah, like you say, because hey, we're football fans, but it is a great pizza season as well. And so you remember when we did March Madness, we did a promo called Hoops 10, which got you yeah, $10 off yeah. your order. And it was one of the most popular things we've ever done with customers and operators, Zeke's operators. And so we're going to do something similar for football season. And so, yeah, the code pigskin10 is going to be active all football season and on what we call football days. So on Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays and Thursdays all day, mm -hmm. pigskin10 will get you $10 off your Zeke's order. There's an order minimum of $30 after the discount, but it's good for delivery. It's good for pickup. It's good for in-house. If you're in-house, you just mention it to a crew member and they'll apply the discount. But yeah, no, Pigskin 10, it's going to be awesome. $10 off your order all football season on football days. That's great. Pigskin 10, enter it on the app or online, or if you go into the store, make sure you mention Pigskin 10 on a football day to your Zeke's Pizza representative. We love Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Protection breaks down and time runs out. Down goes Rodgers in the sack for Leonard Floyd. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown. Rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. A couple of shows ago, we introduced you to my man, Scott Schaefer the owner of Jack's American Pub on East Brady Street in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, whose team came up with a fantastic Aaron Rodgers promotion talked about around the country. Well, it also turned out to be one of the shortest promotions in restaurant history, but I've gotten inundated with Mitch Unfiltered listeners asking for Scott's return to tell us about that crazy Monday night at Jack's and here he is, Scott Schaefer. How are you, Scott? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Is my chicken sandwich still waiting? It's still waiting for you. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure that that offer stands. So for those of <laughs> us who have been under a rock, the promotion was get to Jack's 15 minutes before the Jets game, eat, drink, party until the game ends. If Aaron Rodgers starts and the Jets lose, Every single drink is on the house, whether you're a party of two or a party of 30. Scott, Aaron's season lasted a few plays, and your idea, one crazy Monday night. That's it. That's it. We're, we're going to keep it going. We've kind of twisted it a little bit. Uh, we're going to continue the promotion. Oh. It's going uh, to be Jets win, you win. Oh, wait a second now. Wait a second now. I didn't know this part of it. You are keeping yeah. the promotion going. We'll get back to the Monday night. So now you've got us going to your place, drinking and eating and rooting for the Jets to win as opposed to lose. You've changed us over. We've changed you over. As we've, we've been Jets fans from uh, the beginning. Now we're going to let you guys be Jets fans. Ah, too. Is, the, is everything the same? Get there 15 minutes before a Jets game that doesn't compete with the Packers. And if they win, all of the drinks are free. And if they lose... You got to pay the tab like the old-fashioned way? Exactly. Okay, good. Let's go back to Monday night. Jets-Bills. Okay. 
How busy were you, Scott, after all the publicity you received? I guess it's what, about a 7.30 Central Time kickoff? Yep, 7.30 Central Time. It, it was a packed house. It was uh, it was great. There were some Jets fans, Bills fans, a lot of uh, Packer jerseys in there, and a whole bunch of other fans in there, too. It, it, it was a great atmosphere. Did you have to turn anybody away? Uh, we did not have to turn anyone away. Our capacity is pretty big. It's about 300 people, two stories. Right. Um, people kind of came and go as, you know, not everyone took advantage of the promotion for what it was. Some came, you know, came for a bit. Some stayed the whole time. Right. How many would you say came 15 minutes before kickoff with the intention of doing the promotion, being there the entire game and rooting against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? We estimated about 250 people. 250 people did that. Now, no one wants to see anyone suffer a major injury like that, put into words what your crowd sounded like when he went down grasping his leg. Um, there were some cheers, but I, I don't think the cheers were because they're happy he was hurt. And they're, they were they're cheering with their wallet. They thought they were going to be drinking for free. Right. And what was your reaction when you saw it? Uh, I thought I was screwed. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you felt terrible for Aaron Rodgers. Isn't that the way you felt? <laughs> well, you know, you know that it's such a loaded question because when he went down right at, right at first, it wasn't like uh, season's over. You know, you know, we didn't know that right, right. away. Um, you know, when he got carted off the field, you know, uh, of course, then you're like, oh no, like this must be a lot worse. You know, I. I, I saw some things like, you know, people were saying what the injury was, but it wasn't confirmed. So yeah, lots going on in that moment. Uh, you know, no one, no one was rooting for Aaron Rodgers to get hurt. Right. So now it's on because he's likely not returning to the game. We don't know how serious it is, but it doesn't look like he's returning to the game. And Zach Wilson, right. Zach Wilson, Scott, ain't beating the Bills on Monday night football. He's just not doing it. So it must have gotten really busy at the bar. If you know what I mean at that point. Yeah, people were ordering. Shots were on. It, the, <laughs> the, the level of drinking went up. Oh, and would you say you were freaking out? Were you with a calculator in hand? Were you trying to figure out what the potential damages were going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes and no. Um, we thought for us the best thing that could happen was before the game even started, that we lose the first one to build up momentum for the promotion. And it being the Bills, I mean, this is a tough win to start with. We didn't, we didn't expect to come away with this one. Right. But that would have built up to promotion for other weeks. But now it's looking more and more like as the night goes on that this is going to be a one and done and you guys could get killed at the cash register. Th that's exactly right. So that's worse. We know what the reports <laughs> are coming out that this is what it is. You know, we, we thought – Oh my gosh! We get one game this year, and we might just be the ones paying for it. We're gonna look, we're gonna look like idiots. So the Jets pull it off. The house wins. Jack's American Pub wins. How big was the win? Can you share the numbers with us? Can you tell us what this was like, kind of versus a random September Monday night for Jacks? The term we did about six times what we usually would do on a Monday night football game. Oh my God. It was a great night. And you were celebrating, and what was the crowd like when the game, when they realized, oh, my God, the Jets have pulled this off with Zach Wilson, and we've got to pay our bill. Anybody fretting that? Were there some big ones? Um, the biggest one was about $400, uh, a, lot of, a lot of 150 to 200s. Yeah. No, it was actually a great crowd. Everyone had thought they won for 85% of the game. Yeah. Um, so when the tides turned that field goal, when it tied up at the end, that it just built into the promotion perfectly. But we didn't see that run back for the win, and, and uh, 
as some of us were cheering, the bar went quiet. Uh, six times what you would normally do on a Monday night. There was a lot of publicity on Monday night, I would imagine. I saw film. I saw video footage. What was that like? It was crazy. Every local news station was in there. ESPN sent a film crew, uh, and they're going to do a promotion on us um, this Sunday, NFL Sunday Countdown. So they had a crew, ESPN had a crew in there yep. the whole game. So it's going to be a really good uh, clip on uh, this Sunday. I, I asked you this last time you were on. I'll ask it again. Do we have any knowledge whether Aaron Rodgers is aware of the promotion? And if he is, did he comment anything about that? So uh, I just came from uh, the bar uh, and I was with ESPN this morning. We were doing all the short takes and um, they had planned to interview him and ask him that question, but now they're not going to be able to. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited to see this episode on Sunday or you know, with the, what they put together. It should be a lot of fun, but uh, you know, we're all, we all, the ESPN, the producers had the same question. They want to know if he knows. So, You've decided to go on with the promotion, and I'll turn everybody in Milwaukee into Jets fans, and if Jets win, they, they drink free. You don't expect that to catch on like the fire it did. Without Aaron Rodgers, I, I know that you hope that the promotion works well, but you can't imagine this being anywhere near the success with Rodgers out of the game. Right. No, it, it's, it's not. What, what we really liked out of the promotion was the bar was full of Football fans, you know, there was Packer fans, Bills fans, Jets fans. There was, it was just there were football fans in the bar. The atmosphere was as if it was like a Super Bowl game for week, you know, week one of football. I mean, that's just an amazing atmosphere that we created. So I think that even the most anti-Aaron Rodgers guy like myself, I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers guy. I loved your promotion. But who wants to see him uh, suffer an Achilles tear? I did that at about the same age as he did it. Um I think there's a lot of us that would like to see him get back and play again and go out on his own terms. If he does, if he's taking snaps for the New York Jets next year, will Jack's American pub go back to the well? Will we go back and do the same promotion, or is that yet to be determined? We will 100% go back to it. <laughs> you still want people coming there rooting against Aaron Rodgers, huh? <laughs> Well, the best—it's a Wisconsin thing. You know, if you're not from here, you haven't been—you know—listening to our sports media for years. You know, probably doesn't make much sense to to other people (laughs) than what we've endured. It's cruel. It's cruel, Scott. The guy at that point—the guy at that point—will be 41 years old, coming back from an Achilles tear, and you'll have a, a a full restaurant and bar rooting against the guy for God's sakes. Yeah, but it created, it created a great a great atmosphere. I mean, there's there's more to it than just that. You know, I, uh, the the best part were all, there was Jets fans that flew to Milwaukee to watch that game oh there. So there was yeah about twenty to thirty Jets fans in there, and um, there's a group that showed up for Thursday night football. Seven guys that flew in Thursday and spent the whole weekend at Jacks and watched Sunday football there and just got ready for their their Monday night. So. There was a lot of J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets fans going on. So it was, it was it was fun for everyone. So there were Jets fans. Oh, yeah. That that flew from New York to be there for the weekend to root for the Jets, knowing that the Jets, if the Jets win and they have their druthers, they're going to have to pay for their meal and they're going to have to pay for their drinks. They thought they were winners regardless. <laughs> I love that. Well, it's been a fun story, and I promise – 
You have my word. You have Mitch Levy's word in Seattle. The next time I'm in Milwaukee, and I'll be there one way or another, sometime, some way, I'm coming to Jack's. I'm going to text you before I come. I'm having that chicken sandwich. I promise you. I'm having the chicken sandwich. All right. Sandwich. Sounds good. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> Thanks so much for being back with us. We appreciate it, Scott. Yep. No worries. It's been a while since we caught up with Jordan Flowers, my main man of the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. How's everything going in Jordan's world? Hey, Mitch, it's going fantastic. I'm uh, chasing old Mitchie in the Manager <laughs> of the Year award for Little League Baseball. How many teams you got over there? You know, I was the manager of two, both my 10 and 8-year-old. Uh-huh. And I got to say... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be giving you a run for your money, Combined man. Combined record? Oh, gosh. We only lost probably six games. Oh, that's six more season. than I lose. I don't lose. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. All right, let's talk about the market, the buying and selling market. It's not easy these days, but it's still doable, especially for home buyers. Give us your analysis, Jordan. Absolutely. Uh, inventory is still a little tight, but better than it was. But we are winning a lot of offers and using that 2-1 buy-down program we've talked about. Tell me about that program. Yes. So basically what we do is we are negotiating with the sellers, getting a price that they want, getting a credit towards uh, closing costs for our buyers. And they use that credit to then temporarily buy down the interest rate for the first two years of the home. So we get through this kind of elevated interest rate period with a 2% lower rate than what market is at. Are people still buying second homes and investment pieces? And what do you have to offer those types of clients? Yeah. People are buying in Arizona, California, Eastern Washington, kind of all over. We're helping people buy second homes and investment properties. We've got a couple great options for the investment property buyer, uh, especially uh, using that debt service underwriting ratio that we've talked about in the past where they don't even need to provide tax returns. Really what we look for is qualifying our buyers off of the cash flow of the property. So it's a great program right now for people looking to pick up investment properties at good prices get an income-producing property. Is there a way to have a best guess of what the next six months or a year look like? Does Jordan Flowers have a crystal ball? <laughs> I thought I had a crystal ball, but you know. <laughs> Is it Ernie Zampezi's story? I'm not going to say when. I'm just going to know it's coming, right? I'm like We're going to get through this, and they're coming back down. I think, I think we should expect for the rest of this year rates to maintain in the 6% percent range. Maybe we see them by the end of the year get back down in the fives. But I will say when they do come back into the low sixes to mid fives, it will again open up floodgates for buyers and for sellers bringing properties on. So there is pent up demand. It's sitting there and it's just we're, we're waiting. Well, I've always loved Jordan Flowers and his team at uh, both companies, not cross country mortgage, the Woodenville office, because they're willing to take your phone call and be creative. Think outside the box and to reach you on a phone that doesn't have a full voicemail? Jordan Flowers? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I just got a new phone. Okay. My kids like to tease me that I'm the no upgrader. Okay. I don't upgrade my phone. Okay. I've had the same one for six years. All right. And I've now upgraded and I'm setting up the voicemails. Everything's getting Phone number? Here. Same phone number? Give us the number, please. 425-890-2957 is the best one to reach me on. The Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage and J-Flow, Jordan Flowers. Without guys like him and companies like theirs, where would Mitch Unfiltered be? Cross Country Mortgage. Unfiltered. 
episode 255, unassigned area code. For those of you wondering, why isn't Mitch doing the Mobile, Alabama? Hello, unassigned 255. Really? Yeah. There is no 255. Yeah. So there's one available for you if you want to start an area code business. <laughs> 255. <laughs> if you want to buy a plot of land somewhere, you can have yeah. 255. There you go. Are you there following you this Jim Trotter story? You know Jim Trotter at all? I know him a little bit, yeah. Okay. I've interviewed him many times. He's been on our show or was on our radio show. Well, he worked for the NFL the Network for he five did. years. Sports Illustrated, very good writer. Very, yeah, writer. good, good follow Suing on Twitter. Suing the NFL, yeah. right? Suing yep. the NFL, claiming his contract wasn't renewed after he pressed Roger Goodell in the league's hiring practices when it comes to minorities. So yeah. this is kind of feeling a, a little juicy here. Well, it's interesting because he is beloved by media guys. Like the Peter Kings, Jason Lock and Forrest, okay. Chris Morton. You know, all those guys that are in there, they love Jim Trotter. Okay. So all the writers, they're all rooting for him. Right. All the broadcasters, a lot of the broadcasters, but he's, you know, he's he's suing the almighty. He's suing the, the, the National Football right. League. And he called out Jerry Jones. He sure did. Some hurtful shit, if, yep. if true. Yeah. He claims Jerry Jones said, if blacks feel some kind of way, they should buy their own team and hire who they want to there hire. Jerry Jones came out and said, that's bullshit. I would never say that in public. No, but he said I would never say Wasn't that. Wasn't there something about the Bills owner, too? Uh, Terry Pegula, or Pagula, yeah. however you say it. Pagula. His yeah. daughter is one of the top five women tennis players oh, in the okay. world. Yes. Well, yeah, he claims that that guy once remarked, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. That's what he says. That's what Jim Trotter claims that he said. Yeah. yeah Terry Pegula said. And of course, he's come out and Pagula. said that's bullshit. I think it's Pagula. Pagula. I think. He's come you out and said, Pegula, I never. I say Pagula. I, I never said that. So they, they both denied having ever said that by Jim uh, to Jim Trotter. Trivia question. Pagula, the women's tennis player's doubles partner. She won the U.S. Open with her, I believe. Or the, the number one ranked women's doubles wow. team. Would you like to take a guess who? Who? There'd be only one answer. Coco Goff. Yes. Nice. Yes. Who I saw, by the way, yes. said, now it's time to take some naps. I'm tired. I'm out for a while. People, people <laughs> keep asking her, what are you going to do with your money? You won three million bucks. Yeah. Probably a lot more with endorsements. I saw the videos of her saying, I don't have any debt. I don't have anything to buy. <laughs> I don't need anything. <laughs> right. I, got I don't want I anything. Yeah. I live with my parents. <laughs> right. <She's saying. laughs> I didn't go to college. I have no debt. Yeah. Pay, people are like, pay off your college loans. She's like, I'm 19. I live with my parents. I got no college. <laughs> I'll take them to so dinner funny. all the time. <laughs> She's so funny. And then there was video of her at one of those top golfs. One of those top. Oh, really? Oh, she cannot swing a golf. Oh, that's club. amazing. And she was making fun of herself. They were taking video of her. Oh, yeah. I love her. Yeah, I, love her. Yeah. I love her. Did you feel badly for Aaron Rodgers or not on Monday night? We we of haven't course. really. Yes. Yeah, of course. But we don't it's like terrible. Aaron Rodgers. But we don't want him to tear his Achilles. Yeah, I mean, I just selfishly want to see him play for the Jets to see if he can oh, make do. him a better team. No, like, I don't want that. Well, I, I won't go that well, far. Well, we a, know why you don't. I got a horse in that race. You do have a horse in that race. Yes. Not a fan of the Jets your whole life, I'm no, guessing. No. Yeah. Kenny O'Brien can kiss my ass. <laughs> How about Mark Gastineau? Hate Joe him. Klecko. Oh, with a tooth. Hated him. The sack exchange. The broken tooth. The half a tooth of Joe Klecko. Was he just... The way Joe Klecko used to line up opposite. Remember he used to angle himself opposite yeah. across from the center? Oh, I hated that. Not handsome either. No. Me sky. Just got... What do you right? know about that? <laughs> he is. And a little Zoftic. <laughs> a little? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's see. I'll, I'll rattle off a couple. Go. Colorado barely over the bad team. You're still you're still on the, the, the coach prime time bandwagon, sure, right? Yeah. You don't think they'll beat Oregon this week in Autzen Stadium, do you? It comes to an end. 
I think the bandwagon, the Buffalo bandwagon is coming to a screeching halt this weekend in Austin, I think. They might not be as good as they think they are. Yeah, I guess well, we'll find out. But I think they're going to – I think this was a wake-up call against Colorado State. Yeah. Maybe no more pregame scuffles to fire the other team up either. Maybe take that out of your pregame Did regimen. you see that? Yeah. He doesn't take off his hat and take off his sunglasses, and now he's got a sunglass deal. He's given, Of course. Yeah. And then his son did the interview on ESPN in the sunglasses and then was showing him off, you know, the whole thing. If they beat Oregon, I won't I will not be sh- I won't be sitting here with my mouth wide and my jaw to the ground. I think they have a chance to beat him. I think it should be illegal that a family could be having that much fun right now. <laughs> Is there any family I in know, America right? right now? The other son had a pick six in the game. The defensive son. So he's got the defensive son, the pick six. He's got the Heisman Trophy contender. Won't win the Heisman. Yeah. The son who's the quarterback. They're having all kinds of fun. They're taking shots at other teams. I know. They're wearing sunglasses. Jealous. Getting NIL money. He's on 60 Minutes for tonight. <laughs> is he really? Yes. It, it's, their, it's their season debut. 60 Minutes is like 97th season debut is yeah. tonight. Starring Deion Sam. Oh, is, any, is any American family besides the Swifts Having a better time <laughs> no, right now? No, they are number two to the Swifts. That's I, it. I think so. Yeah, it's crazy. God, imagine growing up in that house. Dion's your dad, just loaded your whole life. I know, and now you're starting on a team. Hockey and, is all coffee oh, can be. Most coffee. All right, I'll do a couple of. How about uh, Sam Hewer to Cal Poly? You want an update? Yes, sir. Twenty-eight of thirty-nine, six touchdowns, three hundred twenty-five yards over the weekend. The six touchdowns is a Cal Poly school record. So young Sam Heward is off to a great start after three games at Cal Poly. Have you heard the story about Shohei Otani's locker? Yeah, empty, gone. Yeah, like you're in my locker over there in the Angels locker room clubhouse yeah there was a, a shot of him at SeaTac, right no, i mean that, was, that or, was a joke oh was it you fell for well it. i just was scrolling through twitter but no. somebody did somebody get him in an airport yeah it's like a japanese airport but it's, it's just not somebody, it's, somebody being stupid okay yeah but nonetheless that's not good for the team he's like well he says or his agent says or the team says don't read into it i've been shut down i want to get better okay. i'm so I'm, it's not ugly no necessarily that's what he says but it's over all right, speaking of clearing out lockers. Uh, do you know what I just said? It's over. His Angels career is over. It is. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, that's it. So now the question is, having been shut down and his pitching future somewhat uncertain, would you still want the Mariners to sign him? Let's say that he comes to the Mariners and says, I'm, I'm yours for $40 million a year. It was going to be 50 60 it's 40 now. My client, we don't know about his pitching. We don't know if he's going to be available as a pitcher. He might just be a DH only. He's a great hitter, but he might just be a DH only with a chance maybe to pitch down the line. Every Mariners fan in the world for months I've been hearing, sign Shohei. Right. How about now? Would you sign him now? $40 million a year. I'm, I'm going to need to talk to his doctor about his <laughs> pitching arm. That's, that's everything. That's huge. So, but if he's not, if we, if he's not going to pitch, I'm going to pass on the forty million just to watch him hit. I feel like. How about if I told pieces. you he's just up in the air? The pitching thing is up in the air. If it's 50-50, maybe the yeah, pitching. Yeah, forty forty. Yeah, I think I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the upside of having the greatest player in baseball. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. You is he the greatest player in baseball if he's only hitting and DHing? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if we got to know how healthy he is. The, the upside to him is. He's the best player in baseball when he's 100% healthy. And I have to add something to the proposal, too. Okay. If you give him $40 million, you can't expect us as a team 
to sign George Kirby and Logan Gilbert long term when they come asking for $25, $30 million a year each. I'm presenting you an option that not only includes getting Shohei Otani, but you got to be reasonable. It is Seattle. It is the Seattle Mariners. Ownership's not going to give him 40. Give Julio 40. Right. Give Castillo what he got. Give Kirby what he wants. Give Gilbert what he wants. You're going to have to be okay with one or both of those guys leaving. Are you still okay with it? No, I'm not. Because the Mariners are not one, so you're out. one good DH away from winning the World Series. You're sure about that? Without Kirby? Without... Oh, oh, oh. Right, you're Kirby. saying I can't no, have No, no, no. You'd, ha- you'd have them together for a few years until they until, until their clocks are up. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's... Uh, I don't know. That seems like dumping a lot of money into a guy who's still hurt. I don't know. That injury is... You're telling the agent to go to hell if he calls. I am. My yes. client really Beat has in, my client really has interest in Seattle, and you don't want to talk to him any longer. Yeah, I think we're going to pass. But thanks anyway, buddy. <laughs> but speaking of clearing out lockers, have we talked about Julio Urias of the Dodgers? Oh, I don't that know. ugliness. Yeah, bad. They appear to bad. be done with him. Bad. Well, following his been arrest, several incidents. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, the team removed his locker from it's the bad. clubhouse. Yeah. They scrubbed a couple murals he was featured. I mean, like this is. And by the way, did you see that the uh, the locker was given to somebody else on the Dodgers? Mm-mm. Colton Wong. The guy who, th- <laughs> the guy who drove in the game winner. That's right. Against the Seattle Mariners on a sack fly. Yeah, I mean we're, oh, we're laughing. He how was did allegedly they lose the Saturday night game. He oh, was arrested God. for allegedly roughing up his girlfriend. So they, uh, good for the Dodgers for just saying we don't need it. Goodbye, you're out. Mm. Yeah, ugly. Remember the name Kevin Federline? Sure. How, how could I forget? Well, I don't know. I don't know if everyone. Mr. Britney Spears at one point. And people thought he was like the biggest loser ever. And Is he not? He's got a hell of a life, I gotta say. Do, do you know what Britney pays him? No. He, he gets forty. For well, he's got kids? The two kids. Yeah. 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 He's got forty. He gets forty thousand dollars a month from her for the two kids. Now, the amount's predicated on each having the kids fifty percent of the time. But he says Britney has them zero percent of the time. So why the hell am I only getting forty? She we doesn't should, want to be around her kids. It doesn't sound. Or like, they don't want to be around him. Her. It, one of them turns 18 yeah, in a couple weeks. That whole thing weeks is dysfunctional. And, it makes me uncomfortable. But Kevin, his yeah. sons, and his wife just moved to Hawaii last month. I'm thinking, what a hell of a life Kevin Federline's carved out. He gets half a million a year from Brittany, and he lives well, in Hawaii. Well, just think, the 40000 that he gets from Brittany would pay the lease payments for Kevin Costner's estranged wife's new house. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Who is, like, up in arms that she has to pay his legal fees. The Georgia Bulldogs have won a couple of national championships in a row. Do you remember who the quarterback was? Yeah. Uh, Jake? No. Oh. His name is Stetson Bennett. Yes, Stetson Bennett. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a lot like Jake. Jake Stetson. Was it Jake Fromm? Was he the one before him? There were a couple Jakes. There was a Jake Eason, Jake Fromm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Stetson Bennett was actually the guy who led them quarterback-wise to the consecutive. And then the Rams either drafted him or signed him, and he had a pretty good preseason. Do you know that he's now... No longer. He's been removed from the active roster for the Rams. Issues that the head coach, Sean McVay, says, quote, bigger than football. Wow. Quote, out of respect for him and the situation, I'm going to leave all the specifics and the particulars in-house, McVay said. I really hope that you can please respect my wishes in regards to keeping that in-house. I understand you guys have a job to do, but there are certain things that I think are a little bigger and a little more important. And out of respect for the particulars and the specifics, we want to keep this in-house. That's where I want to leave it. Please. Please let it get out of house. I have to know what the hell. Well, you recall, and I'm not taking guesses here, 
that he was arrested for disorderly conduct, intoxication, public intoxication. That's right. Last off season, we he was that, yeah. he was in like Dallas knocking on knocking on apartment yeah, doors late drunk, at night, just yeah. running around like an yeah. idiot. Yeah, and there were some issues. I think at the parade, he was causing problems okay. at the Georgia parade. I don't. I, I'm not jumping to conclusions, but it's a sad story when you hear that a young guy, 20, no 22, 23 quarterback for the Rams, has to be removed from the roster for bigger reasons than football. That's hard. Let's hope he gets the help he needs if, in fact, that's what it is. Yes. Do you remember the name Clay Bennett? Sure. He's getting his arena, finally. Oh. Some would say he never really wanted an arena here. Yeah. Some? He went... Yeah, he went through the process of saying he wanted an arena here and never right. got it. He's getting his arena in Oklahoma City, it looks like. Anyway, Oklahoma City officials announced that they finalized a highly awaited proposal Tuesday, which outlines the plan for the new NBA arena for the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's going to be $900 million. And how much are the owners going to put towards the bill? <laughs> $50 million. Out of, what'd you say? 900. 900. Yes. Wow. Yes. And he commits that the Thunder will play in Oklahoma City over the next 25 years if the uh, city council goes ahead and ratifies the deal. Are you some? Are you are you one of those who like roots against them in every game? Like I know a lot of can't stand can't stand right. I mean, I even hear the words Oklahoma City and I get a nauseous <laughs> feeling. I do, I do. I think I know, the, it's too bad. It's probably a cool little town. But no, it's not. I've been there. It's it's a shithole. First nothing. of all, yeah. yeah. I mean, the two most famous people you think of at Oklahoma City. You tell me who's worse, Clay Bennett, yeah, Timothy McVeigh. Oh, the Oklahoma City bomb. Who's worse? Yeah. I know it's close. You think about it and you get oh. back to me on who's the worst person, okay? Yeah. But that's who I think about with Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City it's too bad that hey. college softball World Series is there. They got to find a new town. Yeah. By the way, the highest grossing film based on a real life person to ever hit the big screen is what? If you had to guess. Based on a person? Yeah. You saw it recently. <sighs> the highest grossing film oh, based on a real oh, life. Oh, Oppenheimer. There you go. Yeah, I didn't like it. No, that's not true. No, I didn't like it at all. I was totally bored stiff through it. Really? Yeah, totally. I, fe- I fell asleep. Well, then you're not going to like my my Go trivia. Ahead. Because the number two is based on Freddie Mercury. Oh. Did you ever see that one? It's no. okay. That's, no, I didn't think it was no, great. No, no. Anyway, Rami Malek is the... He's in both of those, so that's a pretty cool thing for him. Oh. He's an actor. You know, can you picture him? He, no. he played Freddie Mercury. I can picture Freddie Mercury. Yeah, and he was in Oppenheimer, the movie you saw, but you still don't can't picture him. Oh, so which one was he? Uh, in Oppenheimer. I yeah, can... I think he was one of the lawyers. Was he on when I wasn't asleep? Was, <laughs> I, was I awake when he was on the screen? You really didn't like that movie? I totally fell asleep. I was interested, but was not entertained. It was too slow moving for me. Maybe I have... Maybe I have an attention deficit disorder. Guy who watches three hours straight of golf and baseball is going to talk about slow moving oh, in a movie. Love golf and baseball. <laughs> Your buddy Edwin Castro is at it again. Do you remember him? Yeah. Where do you know the name Edwin Castro, Castro. from? He is at it again, hot shot. I don't know. I can't. He remember. won the Powerball back in November. Oh, yeah, Six hundred twenty-eight <laughs> million after taxes. He bought like the world's greatest house. Uh, he's at it again. Uh oh. He's adding to his collection. Okay. After taxes, he got a check for $628 million. That ain't bad. He immediately bought a $25.5 million hillside home that you're talking about in Hollywood Hills, not far from celebrities Jimmy Kimmel and Ariana Grande. <laughs> Same talent, all One of, of the them. neighborhood's priciest sales ever, the five-bedroom, six-bathroom house sports a gym, a game room, a wine cellar, sure. and a movie theater. He then, you've also reported this, a $4 million Japanese-inspired house in Altadena, 
California, Altadena, yeah. Altadena, his hometown, close to the gas station where his fortunes <laughs> change. That one has five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and a saltwater pool. Mm. If that's not enough, over the weekend, Uh-oh. a $47 million, seven-bedroom, 11-bathroom home in Los Angeles with panoramic views Jeez. and an infinity pool. $47 million? $47 million. He now has three homes. So he's going to blow through it all, clearly, but... The good news is if he does, he'll at least have some investments to sell to, yes. to make a few bucks back when he yes. blows through $600 million. Yes, the question yeah. is, are these uh, are these purchases, are these investments going to appreciate? Yeah, they will. I'm okay, sure. so he's going to make money on all these things. It's not like he's going out and buying cars. Correct. Going on trips. Throwing or, it up his nose or, in or the form a, of a power. Or a boat. Jeff Bezos boat. He hasn't right. Done, at least yet. He hasn't done that yet. But why does the dude <laughs> yet. who went to the mobile gas station in November to buy a lottery ticket, why does he need three houses worth $100 million? He probably fills every house up from dipshit friends and relatives that won't leave him alone. So now I got to move because these guys are running that one. I got to go to another one. Oh. That's crazy. I've got two more before RIP. Do you have any other ones that you want to get out? Uh, I think I just have. Oh, I want to give yeah. a quick update on that front door where Sharon Tate was infamously murdered. Oh, by are Charles we going Man. back to that well, again? The door sold. It's okay. over. Okay. The highest bidder put a chunk of change down for How much? the piece of dark history. The high bid was $127,000. It was projected to fetch somewhere between two and 4000 So for $127,000, you can have that awful macabre door. Sharon's sister, Deborah, still pissed off and disgusted it was sold, saying it should be destroyed given its history, but it's sold. Do we want to discuss the horrible story involving former Rainier Beach star basketball player Kevin Porter Jr.? I don't know the story. Do you, do you recall Kevin Porter Jr.? Yeah, sure. So when Michael Porter Jr. was playing at Nathan Hale, number one player in the country, yep. was going to Washington, I think a year younger, if I'm not mistaken, at Rainier Beach, they played against each other, was this guy Kevin Porter Jr., who I would say to you, and I saw him play in high school, I would say to you that if Michael Porter wasn't playing across the street or you know down the street, yeah. this guy would have had all kinds of publicity. I mean, he was super spectacular. He ended up being a first-round draft choice. He ended up in Houston last year. He signed a $63 million contract. He averaged 20 points per game, but he has been troubled since his childhood. And boy, this story is not pleasant. Uh-oh. You don't know the story no. about him being arrested Monday after allegedly relentlessly beating his girlfriend, initially believed to have caused a fractured vertebrae. Jeez. He was charged with assault. He was arrested. He was charged for strangulation. He was even charged with second-degree assault charges because he broke her neck. But now they have determined, both the prosecution and the defense, that he didn't actually break her neck. There was a congenital defect that um, the fracture did not come from the assault, but he still right. is facing probably exposure. Probably will never play in the NBA. Well... I guess some of these guys get third and fourth and fifth chances. Right. But here's a young guy from Seattle or played high school ball in Seattle Ugh. who averaged 20. He's a near all-star, 20 points per game for the Rockets, and now is looking at prison, right. looking at charges, looking at never being allowed in the NBA again. God, $63 million what a shame. Terrible. Such a shame. How old of a guy? I'm going to guess. Well, how old is Michael Porter Jr.? You could probably do the math. It was the year that um, Lorenzo Romar. Remember Lorenzo Romar had that class that involved Michael Porter Jr.? Yep, yep. So I would say late 20s. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. is 25. Oh, 25? Yeah. So my guess is this guy's 24. Um, ah, so sad. 
staring down the barrel of prison with that kind of talent and money-making ability. Awful. Yeah, brutal. And then there's this one. The director of a high school band hotshot in Alabama. Do you know the story? (laughs) Is it it in your... No, it's not. He was arrested and tased by police. (laughs) Tell everybody why. He wouldn't stop playing music (laughs) when they wanted him to. Exactly right. Of all the things that people get arrested for. We're going to tase this guy because his band wouldn't stop. Guy's name Guy's name is Johnny Mims. He's the director of the minor high school band in Alabama. The game had ended. The football game had ended. His band was out on the field. The police said, okay, it's time to go home. Please stop. And he refused. They asked him again, and he refused. God. They went out to arrest him in the middle of the performance on the band, <laughs> and he refused, and they tased him right there on yeah. the spot. Down goes Mims. Down goes Mims. He was arrested, issued a disorderly conduct, harassment, and resisting arrest. He was taken to the hospital and then to Birmingham City Jail before being bonded out over the weekend. And his GoFundMe is where? For his legal <laughs> fees? And, God, she get him on. What was he doing? Was he just being defiant to be defiant? He wanted or? his band to continue to play. I guess so, yeah. And gosh darn it, that's what he was going to do. When I'm playing drums in the middle of a song in my stupid bonus room and my daughter comes in and yells at me to stop, I, I just can I just finish the song? You really just don't want to stop in the I middle of the song. I wanted to tase you so bad. <laughs> oh, don't give Piper a taser. <laughs> She'll come in and do it all the time when I'm playing. Uh, R.I.P.s? R.I.P.s. What Neil do you got? Neil Curry, a bodybuilder, competed in one of the world's most prestigious fitness competitions, died at the age of 34. It's, uh, the surrounding the, the details around his death are unclear. He finished 16th at Mr. Olympia, but simply making the Olympia yeah. means you're elite this comes just days after the death of lisa lyon i told you about a pioneer and pro this guy you look at him you're like okay you can't look any better in life than this guy looks like the muscle and zero body fat and 34 Con. like what they do to their bodies is just so terrible. sad man yeah terrible former boston celtics and orlando magic player brandon hunter has passed yeah. i wasn't too familiar with brandon hunter i don't know if you were or not no but, i but i saw that story yeah. yeah the ohio men's basketball coach jeff Bowles said he passed away and he was just 42 years old i guess he was a great player in cincinnati he played for the bobcats earning them first team all mac conference selections and leading the ncaa in rebounding his senior season that ain't nothing right no, it's not nothing not everyone can say they led the ncaa in rebounding nope. at any point in their nope. life so hank gathers did rebounding and points in the same game didn't in uh, the same season lionel simmons do that too maybe the l train from LaSalle. sure yeah what about maybe. the x-man maybe huh xavier mcdaniel do that maybe wichita state there you go buddy yeah yeah, yeah. i'm right so with you rest I'm, in I'm, peace I'm hanging to, with you yeah. To Brandon Hunter. Anyone else? Former Syracuse standouts. I have that one. Mike Williams, 36 years old. Man. Buffalo, New York. I didn't. Re- I remember him at Syracuse. He's a great receiver at Syracuse. I'm sure. I don't recall him being the AP Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL. 65 catches his rookie year. 964 yards. How about this? 11 touchdowns his rookie year. Yeah. That's a pretty damn good rookie year. Injured in a construction accident two weeks ago. Gone at the age of 36. I had that story and I we just I missed it somehow. The last podcast, his yeah. mom said we need a Hail Mary here. And Terrible. it didn't look good for him. And man, Terrible. that's so awful. Young. I've got former Tony winning actor Michael McGrath at his home in Bloomfield, New Jersey. 65 years old. No cause released. Quote, a Red Sox fanatic, bourbon connoisseur, devoted husband and father. And friend to anyone who met him, McGrath performed in more than two dozen 
shows on Broadway, was mostly known for roles in Tootsie and Spamalot. Mm. He won his first Tony Award in 2012 for his role as Cookie McGee in Nice Work If You Can Get It. Michael McGrath passes away at the age of 65. Rest in peace to him. Headlines. An Ontario woman said a box containing over a thousand condoms she never ordered <laughs> arrived at her home. When reached for comment, her husband was quoted as saying, right. <laughs> a mother left her children in a sweltering car outside of a Walmart store. Luckily, the kids survived, but most people think that was pretty uncool. <laughs> Drew Barrymore has decided to halt the return of her talk show after receiving yeah. enormous pushback yeah. with the writer's strike still going on when she said she was going to bring it back. After hearing the news, most Americans shared the same sentiment, I have a feeling. Drew Barrymore has a fucking show? God, who knew? Come and, on, and, I knew. <laughs> really? Yeah. And finally, a Republican congresswoman named Lauren Boebert was caught fondling oh, yeah. her date's genitals. Yes, in a movie theater. During the family-friendly musical Beetlejuice. Oh, in a theater, yeah. Now, to be fair, maybe this is her attempt to reach across the aisle. I can't be the only one who came up with that joke, I'm sure. That was a race to the punchline on that one, right? You see the video of it? Bill Maher got paid $5 million for that joke. No kidding. No kidding. By the way, is he coming back? I think he said he's bringing his show back during the... It's getting ugly time. People, you know, it's like people are starting. It happens at the NFL and NBA people. I remember when Steve Largent crossed the line yeah. in 87 yeah. and yeah. people just enough already. I'm Would you go see Adam Sandler perform? Sure. Stand up. Yeah, yeah he's coming. He's Is coming he to really? Seattle. Yeah. What? What? I think what? it's October the 13th or something like that. 12. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Earth, Wind and Fire, Lionel. Oh, we haven't talked. No. Give me a quick update on what, what would you like to know? Are you happy you went? Yes, very much. Very worth it, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what I paid, but yeah, it seemed worth it to me. Not monetarily, but just leaving the house yes. and doing the whole thing. Well, leaving the house is a bit troubling. <laughs> hey, forget it. Never mind. No, no, it was Can't great. have a conversation with uh, this guy. As you pointed out, he did 18 songs. Yep. And I knew 17 of the 18. I had a feeling, yep. Yeah, Zoom is no, one. No, he didn't do I had a feeling, but it was uh, <laughs> it was a good show. Zoom is the song that you probably wouldn't know, but yeah, I mean. I don't know. How, I don't know Zoom. How yeah. about knowing 17 of them? I mean, and I knew most of Earth, Wind & Fire songs, too. They were yeah. great. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun day, fun night at the Climate Pledge Arena. The only thing was I was missing Aaron Rodgers go down on yeah. Monday Night Football and the Mariners. I know you probably don't remember. That Monday night game was a killer. For the Mariners. Oh, yes, I yeah, remember. They yeah. lost in extra innings. They had chances to win. Bases loaded, nobody out. Yeah, couldn't so get one that. run across. And so I'm getting in trouble with my... When I shared on Twitter or X or whatever that I was at the, the concert, people were like, don't you have to watch the Mariners game? <laughs> no, you got, you're not allowed to do anything outside of watching sports. Don't people know that by now? Episode 255, uh. if you need an area code, here's one. Uh, it's in the books. We'll pro I promise we'll do better the next time.